Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Monday afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM1600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500 is the number to call. Calls are forwarded. We'll take your calls this afternoon. You can catch us live on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Don't forget podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And, of course, you can download our apps at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com as we round out the last week in March, heading on into the great state of April and through the great uh, calendar uh, month of April and uh, getting through the first quarter. We have D. Dowd Musk live in studio. You can find all his writings uh, directly at rockoftalk.chat. I'm broadcasting live from the Hotel Paso del Norte, the very historic uh, Hotel Paso del Norte, which is uh, located uh, right next to the uh, border of Juarez, Mexico. They say, what, five minutes right here, but uh, it's actually a lot uh, closer than that. You can literally just look right down uh, the street right there and uh, across the street is Juarez. And uh, we've got some uh, people there from uh, Albuquerque. You can see them kind of hanging out behind. They're live right there on TV. Uh, people I've run into over here at the hotel. El Paso is a pretty neat place. i got to say, I like it a whole heck of a lot. And uh, this is a hotel Dowd, where five presidents have stayed, and uh, two Mexican presidents uh, as well. Good afternoon, Dowd. How are you? Uh, I am well. Had a restful, uh, well-deserved rest over the weekend. Uh, weekend filled with dogs and my nephew 2,000 miles away. So that's a good weekend for D-Dowd Muska. Absolutely it is. And we've got a lot to get to, as uh, always, uh, right here in the Kiva. Dowd has lined up the next couple of shows today and tomorrow to kind of finalize it. We're going to have Eric out on the streets uh, when I'm in studio, which is pretty exciting. And then when Dowd's out in Connecticut, oh, yeah, Eric, man on the street. Uh, He'll be doing the uh, checking things out over at the university. You know, he's a guy who gets around, uh, the guy who's producing our show. Eric is uh, doing a pretty good job uh, while I'm away. vibe from him, you know, that he's a man Yeah, you do. Right. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I would agree with that. And he's very musical. He's also very social as well, plays the guitar and and gets out a little bit. So we enjoy Eric quite a bit, but he's been doing a great job. Uh, No, folks, we're not here to talk about the Oscars and pop culture and all that. What we are here to talk about is the news of the day uh, coming from a conservative perspective, as always. You know, I've had the good fortune of running into a number of different people, Dowd, from various states, and uh, they all feel the very same way about El Paso. And it's so funny. Uh, like so many people have said, you know, oh, El Paso is the armpit or this. No, Albuquerque has become that. And let me tell you, uh, you know, when it's the dog and pony show, as I've stated every week since uh, I've been on uh, broadcasting remotely, I will have you all know, folks, that uh, we cannot compete on the level that these other cities in our region can. And the only way that you're going to know that is go out because the Kevin Robinson Avila's, the Albuquerque Journal, the Channel 7's, the Channel 4's, you know, they're going to tell you how great Albuquerque is. But uh, uh, they're also going to talk to you about how smart our city is or else the best of this and best of that. Um, I'm proving out here right now that it isn't. Uh, we don't have anywhere the amenities, the lower of crime. 33 homicides, I believe, on the year. Uh, we're two ahead uh, on that. And look, we've, I'm running into people from Albuquerque who just can't wait to, heck to, to get the heck out of Dodge. And we've got to do something to sort of save Albuquerque. So part of what I'm doing is 
getting out and about and uh, making sure that I see what we're competing with and comparing to. These are things that I would be doing if I were your mayor, <laughs> but now I'm not your mayor, so I'm just doing them on my own and trying to get some sort of uh, insight um, as to what is going on out there. I want Albuquerque to be a better city. I'm proud to call Albuquerque my home, but uh, I'd like to be prouder, I should probably say. We're going to get into, uh, well, lots of stuff. Dowd's going to set the show up for us uh, here during the 4, 5, and 6 o'clock hour. We'll take your calls and your texts. I will read them. I apologize uh, for being a little bit distracted uh, in all of this. Uh, uh, incidentally, some other things that are also uh, beneficial to being outside the state of New Mexico is the phenomenal gas prices here in Texas. Uh, Texas is a lot better than both New Mexico and Arizona. Arizona, uh, it's absolutely... Uh, armpit Albuquerque seems to be more like the uh, butthole of uh, America. That's coming from Matt. So you guys are loaded for bear here this afternoon. <laughs> Doubt set us up if you would. Yeah, just very quickly, folks, uh, I will uh, mention, uh, I will violate my, I will go back on my word that I gave a few minutes ago about a subject we wouldn't be talking to. I just want everyone to know that Trump derangement syndrome is alive and well. I'm going to spend a whopping 20 seconds on this. Uh, a CNN analyst uh, appeared to basically blame Donald Trump for last night's slapping incident. Uh, she is a former FBI special agent and a Yale faculty member. Uh, is this how, let's see, are we getting an independent psychological case study on how former President Donald Trump got normalized? Uh, Howard Stern, the the late lamented, lamentable Howard Stern said, this is how Trump gets away with things. Uh, Will Smith and Trump are the same guy. Uh, apparently another CNN correspondent said, uh, slapping someone is a crime uh, on live TV. Uh, that's how Trumpism came to prominence in this country. Uh, they're blaming last night's Oscar incident on Donald Trump. These people are truly, truly deranged. We're not going to spend any time on that. We're going to get into data. What does a wonk love more than data, ladies and gentlemen? Now, you may... Tao, uh, tell me real quick, what exactly happened? I'm so sorry. I missed out on... Uh, you uh, yeah, know, we're, we're such big fans of the Oscars. We're such big fans of, you know, like pop media and stuff. But tell me exactly what happened. Oh, there, there was a time when I would watch the Oscars. I was a big film buff, but not, I'd say, at least 15 to 20 years. I'm, I'm out of it. Uh, Chris Rock told a joke. Uh, I guess, I, guess I, I don't know much about the Will Smith-Jada situation. Apparently, something came out. They, they, were, they were partnering up with other people while they were still married. Something was going on. Uh, a lot of people make, making fun of Will Smith. Uh, Chris Rock, who I believe is a very talented comedian and won't play college campuses anymore because they're all little snowflakes. Uh, Chris Rock has has done some of the best race based humor since uh, Richard Pryor, uh, and he was actually a truth teller about black and white relations and some really hard hitting stuff. Uh, what was it? Bigger and blacker, bring the pain. Some of his specials many years ago were just absolutely brilliant stuff. So he said, Jada, I love how you're lining up for you know you're going to star in GI Jane too because apparently Jada Pinkett Smith's head was shaved uh but apparently she's been having alopecia hair falling out issues so maybe it wasn't uh, a style for her maybe it was something she was going through uh she did not look happy when that joke that joke was told and i believe that her husband was kind of laughing initially uh and then he got up uh maybe looked over at the missus and she was not happy got up slapped chris rock right in the face i don't know eric it looked kind of real to me a lot of people wow I, I don't know who knows, but it looked pretty real to me. Um, and then, uh, then Will started screaming, "Keep my wife's name out your effing mouth!" Uh, really? That they, you know, were these things actually stated on air, despite FCC regulations? I don't know. I've seen the video online, so I don't know if they they bleeped it going out. Uh, so it, it seemed very real. I, I didn't know what happened. I learned about it hours after. I certainly wasn't watching the Oscars. I can't imagine I mm -hmm. 
the Oscars. But right. so that's what all of America is talking about. And uh, that's where we're going to leave it, folks, because we talked wow. about this stuff here. Um, but, uh, well, well, let's talk about the motivation just for a second from the standpoint of doubt. Nobody watches it. You didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Nobody cares. Nobody watches it. Um, the Oscars used to be something that people would tune yes. into. Yes. I couldn't even tell you the name of the film that won Best Picture, which was Coda, or what it's about or anything. I just saw it flash across my news briefs uh, on my handheld, and I'm like, what is Coda? I don't even know what it is. And, you know, I'm usually up with things. I usually watch, you know, the top, you know, I think it's now nine or ten films. On this, you know, I mean... Yeah, but I, but I think it's like, you know, like it used to be just the top five films. Now it's like nine or ten uh, that are up there. And, you know, yeah, so they kind of do do everything. It's kind of crazy. But uh, uh, behind me is a bunch of different names, which I'm going to read off. Speaking of Oscar winners and other very famous people, you know, these are the types of things that we should have in our hotels in Albuquerque. Uh, the famous people who have come by. And so like El Paso can literally name all those types of things. But I couldn't even name the top nine or ten films that were of this year. So, Dow, take it away. Let's uh, let's get to the so- show setup. Yeah, we're just going to line things up. Uh, first hour, we're going to focus on demographics. Now, I know people might hear demographics and data, and, and it might get that you might want to reach for that knob. We're going to be talking about uh, the changes in the country, uh, what's passing New Mexico by, where the hot spots are, what's growing, what's declining. Basically, uh, back in January, the Census Bureau released its state population projections, but now... In the weeks since, they're releasing all their more granular stuff about counties. I've got great data on New Mexico counties, what's growing, what's not. New Mexico cities, what's growing, what's not. And then we're going to look at nationally, you know, where we rank nationally and where the growth is happening. And believe it or not, we're experiencing uh, not not good times in, in New Mexico. But a lot of other blue places are suffering, too. And and unless you, you know, you might, again, census data, might my, my, your eyes might glaze over, but uh, it affects politics it affects the country's culture it affects where economic growth is happening eddie happens to be in a state right now or bordering uh, another country but in a u.s state that uh, gets an awful lot of things right and uh, texas is going to continue to expand there's also some arizona data in here that eddie will be uh, particularly interested in and kind of a sad thing what's going on in new york city which i'm not a big new york city fan i, I grew up in hartford springfield boston we were much more new england oriented i didn't even go into new york city till i was 18 years old despite being raised in connecticut uh i'm not a fan big cities it's it's you know public urination and just cockroaches and just no no room to spread out like i am not a city guy at all but i do think it's kind of sad the 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 coverage we're starting to see of just how new york city may never come back from the twin curses of the coronavirus lockdown you know people fleeing and then people, the new data coming out about people not wanting to go back because the crime problem is so out of control. And there are people who love living in the city. There are people who love going to the city. New York is one of the world's great cities, whether you like it or not, it's not my cup of tea, but you can't ignore the media, the money, the the museums, you know, all, all the resources there. How many of our immigrant uh, forebears, you know, came through that, that part of the country coming over from, from Europe. So kind of sad what's going on in New York. And frankly, we're Experience a little bit of sadness here in New Mexico because we're awfully blue. Uh, second hour, we're going to look at the left, uh, loony, loony left, everything from race to uh, a horrible, untalented comedian bashing uh, Rush Limbaugh. And a really interesting thing that came out of the L.A. Times, kind of a racist thing, assaulting their own L.A. County sheriff, calling him the worst, uh, the, let's see, he's the worst Latino traits. Uh, he, he's exhibiting the worst Latino traits. If you said that about any other group, uh, this guy just happens to be a, 
a, a non-lockdowner, uh, a, a right-leaning guy, even though he's a Democrat, uh, you know, leans against uh, you know homelessness out of control and keeping an open border. And so the LA Times went after their own county sheriff exhibiting Latino traits, undesirable Latino traits. That's that's kind of interesting. Uh, Home Depot. Would this have anything to doubt? Would this have anything to doubt uh, to do with the masculinity, patern- oh, uh, paternalism? You know those types of things. Oh yes, uh, and he's he's very vocal in opposing Black Lives Matter. So you you can't you can't you can't you can't do that. Uh, and then we're going to do a deep dive on New Mexico, hopefully in our third hour, because there's a lot of interesting stories that have happened. Just in the last week or so, we haven't gotten into. We have whiny refugees not getting the life they want in New Mexico, where you and I are paying for them. Uh, just don't get me started on that. And more fights about history. Uh, fascinating story up in Las, Las Vegas, New Mexico. The mayor had a hissy fit over a, a, a historical an exhibit at the, at the city museum. Uh, fascinating Spanish history of New Mexico, a group of settlers uh who in the 1800s were trying to stop a land grab that was occurring by white settlers so you had land grant people uh who had gotten their land grants from spain the crown or from mexico and this interesting group that i didn't even know about and it's it's just testament to how much how widespread i think ignorance of the spanish part of american history is and i i plead guilty myself uh, and i'm trying to get caught uh, caught up to speed on that just fascinating fight and they commemorated the battle of glory at a pass if you're a real new mexican you know how important the battle of glory mm-hmm. was we just celebrated yep. the anniversary of that of course the, the confederacy was coming up the rio grande valley uh trying to strike at the mineral wealth of the west and help the confederacy that way uh glorietta pass was the farthest north they ever got famous uh, famous for a is ridiculously called the Gettysburg of the West. Uh, Gettysburg had more casualties in an hour of battle than, than the entirety of the casualties at Glorieta Pass, but they tried to kind of puff it up. But it was historically significant, maybe not as big as Gettysburg, Gettysburg. There was a demonstration in Santa Fe about that. A lot of New Mexico stories. Intel not hiring New Mexicans, uh, less than half of the New Mexicans right. that it hired in the last That's year. That's right. Uh, yep. employees have been from New Mexico. Tons and tons of New Mexico stories. And of course, we got lots of rando stuff. And we're going to hear even more about the very, very exciting trip to El Paso that Mr. Aragon uh, has been to. So lots to do today and tomorrow. And I am psyched, Mr. Aragon. Let's get to it after this break. Absolutely. We'll run to a quick break, but uh, I'll tell you, El Paso is so good. Uh, I got uh, invited back for a little bit of a business venture. So that's what I'm doing here uh, this afternoon and uh, looking at tomorrow. So I'm telling you, they are starved for some good talk radio here uh, and Las Cruces. And I want to let you know that Las Cruces and El Paso are kind of all one city. So that's also a very important uh, thing to note. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. 419 right here in the Kiva. Back after a quick break. Uh, Behind me, all the famous people who've stayed at the Hotel Paso del Norte, uh, right just a couple of uh, hundred yards away from the border, uh, right here in beautiful downtown El Paso, Texas. Back after a quick break, four minutes. Thanks for tuning in. I was sick. You can't use a car because you didn't work or live. Sometimes I wonder what I'm going to do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. I've got to raise a fuss, I've got to raise a holler. I've got to raise a holler. I tried to get a date. 
Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do. Love, there ain't no kill for the summertime blues. Well, that's quite summer yet. I'm broadcasting live down in El Paso at the Hotel Paso del Norte, just a, a few strides from uh, Juarez, Mexico. And broadcasting live 425 here in Aquila on a beautiful Monday afternoon down here. A little muggy here compared to probably the clear skies that you get in Albuquerque. Should be a cooler studio, Dowd. Uh, I certainly hope. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. All right, very quickly before we uh, sort of get get started here, I wanted to kind of just start off with this wonderful hotel so that way that you guys can kind of see who's been here. You got uh, President LBJ right here, uh, Senator Bill Bradley. You got Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. We'll get to Arizona in a moment. Uh, President uh, Hoover here. We got Governor Clements, President Taft. And then we've got uh, Pat Nixon, President Franklin Roosevelt, also John Wayne, been here, you 2 and Bono. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, President George Bush has uh, stayed here when he came in several times, I'm told. And then you got Mexican President Obregón right here. And then General Pershing, doubt. I thought you might find that interesting. Pancho Villa. Yes. Yeah, Pancho Villa stayed here. Vicente Fernandez, the great uh, mariachi crooner. Uh, you got Alejandro Fernandez here. Uh, Charles Lindbergh. I thought that was the most interesting one to me. And then uh, President Richard Nixon. So there you go. And then uh, President Diaz, if that tells you how how long this uh, sort of goes back. So it's a very famous hotel, very cool. And uh, they've got a, you know, a steakhouse here and all sorts of stuff. And, and some people who are very forward looking and they need some good talk radio here in El Paso, much like uh, Silver City, I should say. And then uh, Las Cruces uh, as well. Uh, incidentally, to kind of kick off this segment, uh, I was looking at flights to um, New York City again, and those have opened up. The uh, Flight 66, which is the midnight flight, the uh, red eye that goes to New York, that's back online and uh, full, ready to go. So hopefully you guys are getting out traveling, trying to see as much of the world as you can. And they're pretty cheap. You can get them for as cheap as 160 one way uh, back on again. So it's a good flight. Uh, Dowd's recommending, uh, and now might be a better time than ever to see it because looks like the city is emptying out uh, New York City. Get a rope because uh, New York City is almost over. Tell us about it, Dowd. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to start... Uh there's so much data that's coming out of the Census Bureau. And again, it's, it's like geek overload, uh, overload for policy wonks. And so we're going to look at the, you know, the country itself, regions, states, and uh, metro areas, not just uh, metropolitan statistical areas, but micropolitan okay. statistical areas. Uh, we're going to really get granular on this. But the, the basic, uh, we're going to start with babies. You know, everybody, Eric, you love babies. Do you love babies, Eric? Who doesn't? Yeah, like great two babies. I took care of an eleven-year-old for eleven years. Uh, uh, you know, babies smell good. You know, it's just something about that baby smell. I remember I was talking to a shrink one time, and he said he was. I think he was in medical school studying to be a shrink, MD shrink, and, the, and the, the guy in charge, the big big cheese there. I don't know if they were in the hospital or whatever was going on. And somebody brought a baby in, and all the adults went around and hovered around the baby, and and, they, and so the big doctor, the guy. <laughs> He's asked all of his mental health students, you know, who, who was in charge just then? Who was in charge? That little lump of protoplasm was in charge of all of you smarty adults. Okay. <laughs> who was running the show? That little baby. You know, we are programmed to love babies. Well, not so much because we don't really have babies anymore in America. A majority of states, This again, it, this is the Census Bureau data. These are, you know, pretty serious statist statisticians. I'm not a fan of federal uh, employees, but I've dealt with a lot of Census Bureau people, a lot of energy policy people. The, the, the number crunchers are, they really tend to do a pretty good job. 
majority of states, three quarters of all counties in the United States. We're just we're going nationwide right now until we until we limit ourselves to New Mexico. Majority of states, three quarters of all counties experienced more deaths than births uh, between 2020 and 2021, which is uh, continuing a, a trend of, of a declining birth rate in our country. It's also, I think, uh, going to the midsummer of 2021. By then, we should have been experiencing this immense baby boom. Baby boom. Baby boom. Healthy. Right. Lockdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody's going to be shut in, and and uh, uh, people are going to get to loving each other a little more. You know, all those marriages will be saved. And um, there was no baby boom. It didn't happen. Right. Uh, and we are continuing right. to see the birth rate drop. The losses were concentrated more heavily in some regions than others, with seven out of nine states in the Northeast, seven out of nine had more deaths than births. The West had the lowest share of states with natural decrease, only three out of uh, 13, and I'm sure Utah plays a a significant role there. Uh, I guess I'm happy to see uh, the Northeast having the worst because that's the deepest blue part of the country, so no no great loss there. But, uh, Eddie, we don't really have babies that much in this country, and the idea that not going to impact our economy, our entitlement state, uh, our foreign policy, our immigration policy, our uh, our, our socioeconomic health. Um, it's just something we're not talking about, and we should be. Right. Yeah, we've dropped below the replenishment rate. I believe we did that about like eight or nine years ago where we cut below 2.0. Yep, yep. Uh, so for every nuclear family, that's not nuclear, meaning when you only have one child, essentially uh, that that is below the replenishment rate. I think we're at 1.93, 1.94. So that's not good. And then uh, just to kind of drill back on those, three of the 13 Western states all increased. I'm assuming that that is Utah Arizona, not California, not New Mexico, not Colorado. What would I say? Uh, Wyoming, maybe? Would that be the or Idaho? Idaho, oh, Utah, and Arizona. Is that what it is? That, those are three states, probably. And then I believe you. I believe you said seventy-five percent, correct? So you said seventy-five percent of counties in the country. So, um, I mean, folks, if we're looking at uh, making uh, this country great again, we ain't going to do it by doing, uh, you know, what is becoming more government dependent, less babies. And, uh, you know, I I think people living for themselves, that is not going to improve things uh, here in, in this country. And obviously, you know, left coast. West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California, and then the, uh, you know, obviously the, the very liberal Illinois, New York, um, you know, they're not having uh, children, I would imagine, either. And Dowd, you've seen that in uh, from Manhattan. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I just want to put a good word in for uh, Natalie and Jaybird. They are doing their best to uh, make up for all the rest of us who are not having children uh, are, are on the weekend show. I think they're up to uh, 63 children now or something like that. Um, yeah, so, 63. Um, that's correct. And, and, You're and right on the button. It's more than a little ironic to have someone who's not a father to lecture people on not having babies. I'm not so much lecturing as as just noting that this is a significant trend that uh, I know we're, we're obsessed with race and we're obsessed with uh, cleanliness. I was at a restaurant over the weekend and the poor woman was out there scrubbing every surface. Um, there's a lot of stuff you know, I call them those old World War II mines that are floating around in the North Atlantic, you know, that, that are going to kind of strike and we just don't see them until it's too late. Uh, we have a demographic crisis. It's one of the reasons I think we should have a welcoming, generally welcoming immigration policy, but not, of course, open borders, which is, is totally uh, insane. I wish we I wish we talked more about our our, our, our birth issue. Uh, people just don't seem to want to have kids. Uh, all those women are living their best life and they're living their body positive and their sex positive and they're all entrepreneurs <laughs> and they're all in their right. law degrees and they're becoming doctors, but um, we need women to have children and we need 
men to be fathers. Otherwise, we don't have mm-hmm. anymore, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so we're going to shift over from babies. Uh, the way you can grow your population, basically, you, you have to your births have to exceed your deaths, and then you have to be net positive on your migration, which could come in the form of domestic migration, people moving around. I left the Northeast to come to New Mexico, probably one of the last people to ever actually decide to move to New Mexico. Uh, or you can have international, which would be you know legal or illegal immigration. Let's look at the metros that are really doing very, very well. Uh, and uh, New Mexico, of course, well, let's, let's, well, I guess I'll start, I'll start with New Mexico. Metro Albuquerque in that one year period grew by 0.1%. Metro Santa Fe grew by 0.1%. The best large metro in, Al- in, in, in New Mexico that, that, that fared the best was Las Cruces at 0.7% uh, year over year. Um, Farmington, unfortunately, I love I love up uh, I love up there in the in the Four Corners area. Uh, Farmington actually saw uh, a population drop. That's uh, sad, mm-hmm. sad to hear. Uh, but let's look at some of these. Like I, I always say, the murder. Well, what about Rio Rancho? Did they break out Rio Rancho? Yes or no? No Rio Rancho. That's included as part of the mat- the Albuquerque metro area. So uh, we're not actually talking about the jurisdiction of the city. We're talking about got it. Democracy. You know the, the media market. You know the, the sometimes they'll lump other counties and other metropolitan areas next you know, nearing a big city. Uh, so three of our four gain, but very, very low. We are in an area, we talk about competition. I'm, I'm glad Eddie's been talking about this in terms of Albuquerque's fantasy of competing with some of our neighboring states. I'm going to give you some metropolitan statistical areas that killed it year over year. Uh, and uh, this deep dive is at our website, rockatalk.chat. Uh, you got to subscribe and you can read all my analysis of this Census Bureau data. Uh, St. George, Utah. This is not decade. This is not century. This is year over year. St. George, Utah. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. 5.1% one year. Provo, 3.3%. Logan, 2.9%. Austin, uh, I guess you've got Joe Rogan and and others, uh, 2.3%. Phoenix, 1.6%. San Antonio, 1.4%. Ogden, 1.4%. A number of these other communities, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas, doubling our best metro area growth at Las Cruces with with 0.7%. That is uh that's some pretty pretty scary numbers if you want to keep New Mexico in competition. Now let's look at the biggest overall population gains nationally. Uh Austin number 1, uh Raleigh North Carolina, uh Jacksonville, San, uh, we mentioned uh, San Antonio, I think we might have mentioned Dallas, uh Charlotte North Carolina, Tampa, Las Vegas, Nevada, uh Houston, uh, Nashville, Oklahoma City was in there. I think Oklahoma City did just a little bit over one percent, so better than Las Cruces. Uh, Tulsa uh, did did better than Las Cruces. These are the national leaders, basically. You're talking about reddish metro areas in reddish to deep red states that believe in capitalism, low taxes, right to work. Uh, they are killing it. New Mexico <clears throat> stuck in neutral, lady. Well, uh, there is Phoenix, Arizona, which has Gilbert and Queen Creek, uh, which, uh, according to these notes, is the biggest population boom in the entire country. And that has a lot to do with just people flocking over there, particularly from the Midwest. Let's not uh, forget Texas. It's not just Austin. You did throw Dallas in there, and the Metroplex has continued to grow uh, tremendously. Um, It's funny, I think, when you talk about Las Cruces, given that Rio Rancho is not broken out from Albuquerque, um, it's basically 
basically Rio Rancho Las Cruces are neck and neck at about 110,000 uh, mm-hmm. people apiece. But the difference is, is Las Cruces is a very uh, blue city. I think every city councilor is blue. Um, why does Las Cruces benefit? It directly benefits because of the spillover directly from El Paso in Texas. It. It's a different culture here. I mean, uh, people just have to understand that. So, you know, does culture change things? Yes, but also the entire state. And what's very insulated, you mentioned Farmington. Farmington is a, a little bit like Texas in, in terms of its demography. I mean, there's a large Hispanic population, but there's also a large, um, you know, cowboy population, oil and gas population. But you see that they've been decimated by their change from coal uh, directly on over into the Energy Transition Act and the loss of the jobs. And, you know, it actually happened to be one of the worst places uh, for for uh, job loss uh, as well. So these are things I think that we just have to consider if you want to think about how successful New Mexico is, whether or not you think New Mexico is doing well. The numbers don't lie, folks. Uh, you know, people vote with their feet um, and they vote with their money and nothing is bigger than the loss of the quality type jobs. Um, and doubt, I, I know that we're going to get to it, but if Intel's hiring people that are not from New Mexico for New Mexico, um, those are going to be temporary jobs because people by and large don't want to raise their children in school districts that graduate less than seven out of 10. Um, they are going to try and send them to charter schools, etc. Folks, we're trying to sound, you know, the, the warning uh, signs for you. You know, we're basically the rats on the ship and uh, we're scattering very quickly. And, you know, we're sounding the alarm and uh, we're tired of being the canary in the coal mines as well. But uh, I don't know how much more alarmist we can possibly be. The numbers are in on the lost decade and you continue to reward Democrat politicians who continue to, you know, sort of pound us with these horrible uh, demeaning performance numbers and nothing bigger than the population numbers. You know, I know firsthand from looking at, uh, you know, the various other uh, components uh, when it comes to population growth. And I've seen this doubt firsthand. And there are states that just perform well. And Logan, Utah, you know, that whole backside of the mountain on the other side from Salt Lake City, they're growing their families because it's cheap to live there. Yep. Uh, education, let's not forget the cost of education for what it is there. It's next to nothing, folks. They're spending less than $7,000 per student. The Albuquerque Public School District, we're spending more than $17,000. We don't get it right. They do. Arizona, uh, it's more expensive to live there than it is California. But why do people to continue to go there? Well, because they got great paying jobs. I mean, how else do you forecast that these people are making somewhere between six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars on their homes? If you try to find a house right now in Gilbert or Queen Creek or those areas for a two thousand square foot house, you're paying three quarters of a million dollars and you'll be lucky to find that. You would be lucky to find that. That's a tremendous amount of equity growth that's there. Uh, when it comes to Colorado, you know, they're not uh, quite getting the bounce that uh, Utah and Nebraska and Arizona and Idaho are getting, but Colorado isn't lacking. And they are blue state, but they are still forward thinking. Uh, they've gone so far as to even you know, poo-poo the idea of what we're doing on COVID. Their own governor, Governor Polis, has right. said exactly that. And let's not, fa- let's not forget to factor in just how much the culture of COVID has directly and negatively impacted that. I'm ashamed as to why our Republican Party is not been able to capitalize on that. I think it's in, continues to be inherently racist. Uh, I will continue to espouse that. And we've seen that happen yet again. Um, I'm not sure exactly who these people that are running the Republican Party uh, uh, think they are. But let me tell you this. Uh, I know that when I ran, uh, I don't believe that I lost some days, uh, given the amount of 
you know, people who have stood behind me. I'm running into people saying, I voted for you. I'm leaving Albuquerque the moment you said that you weren't, uh, that you uh, didn't get elected mayor. There's nothing else there to live. People have lost their minds in Albuquerque, New Mexico, because they're just picking up and leaving. And they don't care if they have to spend more there or as a couple that I met uh, last night have decided to go ahead and pick up and move to Tampa, Florida. Um, and Tampa, Florida, let's just think about three states that are growing. Florida, Texas and Arizona. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they've tried to stop what they can in terms of keeping people there. But uh, folks, people are not moving to New York. People are not moving to Illinois and they're not moving to California, Washington, or Oregon, and they're not moving to New Mexico. And the numbers are, are there to prove it. Well, and to even expand on that, Eddie, and this is where I take things personally, because I'm not a, you know, I'm, as I've said a million times, I'm not a city guy. I don't really identify, identify myself as a Burcano. I'm a, I'm a transplanted New Englander who really loves New Mexico. I kind of think of myself more as a, 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 New, a New Mexican. Um, I love rural New Mexico, and I love to get away from Albuquerque because I'm just a country kind of guy. What pained me the most with the data release uh, last week, and again, I wrote about this at rockettalk.chat. You can check out all the stats uh, for 19.6 cents a day, we have what, what are called micropolitan areas. So we're talking about places like uh, Roswell and Portales and Clovis and Silver City. Uh, the, the feds define these smaller communities as micropolitan. So we have 15 of them. Nine of our 15 micropolitan small cities lost population. So a majority of those communities lost population year over year. The worst community because of the oil, you know, rollback, which is now, of course, expanding, but the data is lagging a little bit, was Carlsbad. Uh, they fell by 2.2% in just one year. Roswell, wow. area lost population. Uh, Los Alamos, wow. isn't, isn't federal investment the greatest thing that ever happened to New Mexico? Los Alamos micropolitan area uh, lost population. And let me give you a rundown on the counties. Uh, I had yeah, 16 of our 33 counties, so, so almost half of our 33 counties lost population during that year bernalillo and eddie's right who, who what element is dragging albuquerque into growth in terms of the metro it's because rio rancho in sandoval county is considered part of the albuquerque metro you take rio rancho out of the albuquerque metro now albuquerque's losing population because bernalillo county's losing population uh chavez curry eddie grant harding hidalgo lee los alamos mckinley quay Rio Arriba, Roosevelt, San Juan, Sierra, uh, Spaceport America, and just to our south, Socorro County. Those 16 counties lost population year to year. Um, we got to really ask some tough questions about what's going on in this state and what our future is going to be with these kinds of figures coming out. We'll be back after a quick break, but uh, Dow does Blue Flight, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, the highest population losses. Uh, what do all those cities have in common? Uh, those are overwhelmingly blue uh, cities, and I think that that's important. Uh, according to this, San Francisco County saw second highest population decline at negative 6.7%, only outpaced by New York with 6.9%. Unbelievable. According to the data, 73% of counties, as you stated, Dowd, are experiencing a natural decrease. Think about all of the blue areas that people were uh, people are, are essentially congregating. And then, of course, you have uh, Phoenix, Arizona on the flip side of that. That's the most inbound movers, according to studies. Folks, it's impossible to buy anything in Phoenix, Arizona at this point. Literally impossible. The grass isn't greener, but people are so fed up with blue states and blue cities that they can afford to leave New York 
San Francisco, Seattle, and all these very expensive places for places like Phoenix, Arizona. Back after a quick break uh, in the Kiva. When we return, what's up next, uh, Dowd? Uh, we're going to take a little closer look at the Big Apple and what is happening to America's great international city. It's kind of sad. We'll do that when we return. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this afternoon in the Kiva. AM 600, Kiavi, ABQ, Red right F. Texas is a place I dearly love to be. But all my exes live in Texas. And that's why I hang my hat in Tennessee. Hear people talking bad about the way they have to live here in this country. Harping on the wars we fight, griping about the way things ought to be. I don't mind them switching sides and standing up for things they believe in. When they're running down our country, man, they're walking on the fighting side of me. They're walking on the fighting side of me Running down a way of life Our fighting men have fought and died to keep Wow. Could we have a better song uh, for the intro for this segment and maybe the full first hour than this one? That's a good one. Uh, make sure to get that one. I don't know who that is, but that's a great song. I'm broadcasting from the Hotel Paso del Norte, the historic uh, hotel where five presidents and two Mexican presidents have stayed. And we're about to break it down into get a rope. What's happening in Manhattan, D-Dowd Busca? Yeah, it's pretty disturbing, Eddie. Um, this was a uh, survey, I guess it was done by the Partnership for the City of New York, one of those you know, civic organizations that uh, <laughs> are of dubious benefit from time to time. We have a lot of them in Albuquerque who won't address the real problems, but give this organization a credit, you know, credit for doing this poll and finding out what's, why the Big Apple's not coming back. Uh, and this was covered by the New York Post. 40% of employees who live uh, in Manhattan said they're thinking about uh, leaving and 48%, nearly half of workers who live in the city's other four boroughs, uh, according to the poll that was conducted for this organization, uh, thinking of, uh, of getting out conditions in the city have deteriorated so badly that a large segment of its private sector workforce, they analyzed private sector uh, workers, are thinking of fleeing rather than returning to the office. This is uh, some scary stuff. Only 40% of the employees they surveyed have actually returned to their offices in person full time. So a majority have not come back. Uh, 74% of public transit commuters say safety uh, has gotten worse, not hardly surprising. On quality of life issues, 94% of employees said that not enough is being done to address homelessness and mental illness. Wow, sounds like uh, they could be living in Albuquerque. 82% said these problems, uh, homelessness and mental illness, are actually getting worse uh we're going to go into even scarier stats and i, I realize that some more listeners might say who cares about new york city but i mean i i do think great countries have great cities and new york city is not really my cup of tea but uh i think when new york's healthy the country's healthy i mean it, it is a uh it's a place where uh, a lot of very powerful people not all of them perverts uh live <laughs> a lot of opinion leaders and, and financiers and uh entertainers and things like that it's, it's scary to see what's happening. Crime, 85% of workers said 
not enough was being done done to address uh, violent crime. Uh, 77% not enough to tackle gun violence. 57% said there's too much shoplifting. Uh, and this is uh, the words of the New York Post. 84% of respondents said overall conditions in the city have gone to hell. Uh, this, this stat might be the worst of all. Only 38%, uh, again, these are employees of the Big Apple, are uh, optimistic about the future of the city. 62% uh, say they are pessimistic or unsure about the future of the Big Apple. Uh, 72% they're committed to the city and want to be part of the revival. Uh, but is that revival ever going to come? 60% of these employees say not enough was being enough to address, you guessed it, high housing costs. Uh, scary, scary, scary stuff. Uh, it should not surprise anyone that the Census Bureau data have revealed that the Big Apple's population has been hollowed out. Manhattan has suffered the biggest population decline among all U.S. counties. So that's New York County. Uh, saw its population plunge by 110,000 people, or 6.9% between 2020 and 2021. Hudson County in neighboring New Jersey also landed in a top 10 loser counties, uh, which means the New York metropolitan area accounted for five of the top 10 counties with population losses. And what about our beloved Brooklyn, our Williamsburg, where all the hipsters are? Uh, Brooklyn's population declined by 86,341 residents. Uh, the uh, Overall, the city's one-year population loss erased nearly half of the 629,000 population increase it gained over the previous decade. That a single year. Did they all go back to live with their uh, parents and their houses in the uh, in the country? I would imagine. I mean, that's that's pretty tremendous. Nearly 100,000 people how lost. How do you kill a city? Is that Albuquerque just New York in, a, in in microcosm? I mean, what 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 do you do? You 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 allow crime to run free. You allow rampant hope, homelessness. You've got corruption. You've got high taxes. And these people continue to double down on these policies. And, you know, New Yorkers are pretty tough people. I mean, they're used to a lot of street violence and public urination and traffic and noise at 3 a.m. Um, the fact that so many of these people seem really willing to give up on New York, it's no wonder people are giving up on Albuquerque. I think our Burkanios probably aren't quite so tough as the average New Yorker. So um, I, I, I'm not a fan of New York. Uh, I don't live there. I never have. But I do think it's just kind of sad. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a city of world historical right. importance, and it's dying. Yeah, well, 94% of the employees said not enough is being done to address homelessness and mental illness. That basically says that the leadership uh, under de Blasio and now the brand new mayor, uh, people are not optimistic despite the fact that they're voting the same. And I think that's the biggest takeaway out of all this is they just elected another woke Democrat mayor uh, despite them having a very negative effect. Like, is there hatred for conservatives? Is there hatred for Trump? Is there hatred for Republicans greater than their desire to live in a nice place. I mean, I almost feel like the Republicans need to repackage everything that they're doing at this point and call it something else just mm. so we can all agree that there's something better. I mean, uh, that's just a branding issue on the Republican side and on the Democrat side. I think it just shows how, uh, you know, terrible some of these liberals are. They do desire something if they don't have control over it. That's how incredibly beta they are uh, in that. But this is some sad uh, information to be sure because it makes it feel hopeless. Uh, but I don't think the people who are picking up and leaving feel hopeless they feel like they're going on to greener pastures which yep. is exactly why they're they're leaving but it's not just there san francisco's uh, uh lumped in there as well doubt yeah uh california has taken it really uh really on the chin uh san francisco county america's second highest population decline 
Uh, I think we said uh, New York was 6.9. San Francisco was 6.7. San Mateo County um, in in the same uh, part of California saw the fifth highest percentage decline at negative uh, 3.5. In overall numbers, not, not percentages, Los Angeles County saw the most significant population loss of any county nationwide, losing nearly 160,000 residents in 2021. And Eddie, you said it, you couldn't say it any better. The people, the polling data indicate people are aware of the problems. They want answers to the problems, but they still elect the people who seem to be making the problems worse. What What is going on? <laughs> uh, again, you're dealing with a disconnect. You're dealing with a disconnect of information. You're dealing with mass marketing that's going on nationally. I mean, you can't find a white person or a Hispanic person. And did, did anybody watch the NCAA basketball game? Every commercial was black people. Top to bottom. I mean, it just, it's disgusts me to no end what we're doing. And I mean, if you're black and you're not registered as a Democrat, you're being ridiculed uh, within your own community at this point, because that currency and the press for the liberal left, uh, not to mention their quest for everything from staying home, uh, staying masked, staying vaxxed, and going to war on behalf of Ukraine, uh, World War III, they will literally stop at nothing to prevent uh, Republicans uh, from getting control, I think, almost anywhere. And you don't need control when places like Idaho, Utah, Arizona, which is soon to be uh, Democrat and blue, and you're seeing that happening. And you know, let's just talk uh, for a moment. You've got a report very quickly uh, before we get to the top of the hour here in the next minute and a half. Uh, let's talk very quickly about the information you found on Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, uh, real interesting. I think this is uh, center square. Uh, Phoenix metro area, Phoenix is a metro area, took the top spot nationwide in terms of the number of people moving to the city uh, compared to the rate at which people were leaving the city. This was uh, allied movers, I guess, conducted this. Uh, Arizona as a whole was a popular state for people to move to fifth among inbound states in the country last year. Uh, The state's ranking ahead of them, this will come as no surprise, tend to be red, right to work, low tax states, uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, North Carolina, and uh, Florida. Uh, Zillow is reporting uh, the combination of rapidly rising home values and more available remote working jobs has pushed people to seek out parts of the country where their home buying dollar goes uh, further. Uh, I know the price of homes everywhere is up, but you you can't compare your local community and flyover country to a place like you know Marin County, California, or Greater New York, or Fairfield County, Connecticut. Uh, it's just your dollar goes uh, farther out here. The Phoenix metro area drew new people from uh, more expensive areas generally, places like Chicago, Seattle, uh, and Portland, Oregon. Folks, it's just math at this point. And if you are ignoring it, if you're selling the, the typical blue state, blue city model, uh, you have to be willfully, willfully ignorant at this point. Well, Dowd, I don't know what else to say other than the numbers prove it all, and uh, you've got it all there. The blue states and the blue cities die, and the red states and the red cities grow. It's as simple as that. I wish we would learn that lesson here in Albuquerque, especially during this election year, 2022. Back after a top-of-the-hour news check right here in the Kiva, AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. This is the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Albuquerque's 505 in the 505. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. 
on AMC Center KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, broadcasting from the Hotel Paso del Norte, just feet away from the border town of Ciudad Juarez. 2.7 million people here, and uh, glad to be here in the uh, historic uh, confines of five presidents and uh, two Mexican presidents, not to mention a number of uh, very famous people uh, who have stayed here uh, throughout the years. And a wonderful city, a city that uh, we should be able to compete with, but one that embraces both Ciudad Juarez as well as Las Cruces and El Paso and no homelessness, no masking, no political correctness. And uh, yes, there's plenty of left and right uh, type people who are here, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm glad to be here uh, broadcasting from the Hotel Paso del Norte. Don't forget, you can catch me live on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Don't forget. Uh, also, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And why not uh, just download our apps for rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. And uh, become a subscriber where you get the complete and total annotated notes, all of uh, Dowd's quick clicks, as well as the blast. And uh, for less than 20 cents a day, you can stay informed, stay on top of things, and get, get the entire annotated uh, show notes uh, to our radio show each and every single day. So uh, glad to be here with you and yours. Hour two coming at you from the ABQ. D. Dowd Muska, how are you? Uh, I am well, Eddie, and I'm going to get right to it because uh, we're going to. I want to leave a lot of time this hour for for uh, listener feedback because this we're going to kick things off, and I'll break my word to the to the listeners once again and say I, I will bring up briefly just for a second what happened last night uh, at the Oscars. This slapping incident. What if an, someone had tweeted or written something in in the coverage or a column or said on the air? Boy, you know what uh, Will Smith did last night? He really was exhibiting the uh, worst traits of black Americans. Uh, what, what would happen to that person? Uh, they would be uh, done, uh, deplatformed, deperson, uh, lose their job. Well, we have a real world example of something very, very similar to that because the Los Angeles Times, the biggest paper uh, west of the Mississippi, uh, it's a little you know, of course, the Journal and the Washington Post and the New York Times think of themselves as the best publications in the world. But the L.A. Times is like a little forgotten stepchild way out on the West Coast. They have been publishing a series of articles, uh, one of which referred to the Los Angeles County Sheriff, Alex Villanueva, who is of a Hispanic background, also happens to be a registered Democrat. Uh, they said that he exemplifies the quote unquote worst Latino traits. Uh, the writer here at Breitbart making an interesting uh, analysis of that writer were not Latino. Uh, uh, referring to any other group, they would be widely considered a racist comment. In a series of articles, uh, columnist Gustavo Araleño, uh, I guess one of them was titled, L.A. County Sheriff Leans on His Latino Identity. Does he exemplify our worst traits? Our worst traits. The series was highlighted uh, by the newspaper as an editor's pick. Hmm. In part one, the author admits that Villanueva's department walks the diversity walk and that Latino supporters think of him as someone sin pelos en la lengua, without hairs on the tongue, a Mexican-Spanish idiom for straight people. I got to admit, um, I am uh, the, the whitest man in America. I did not have any awareness of that term, uh, without hairs on the tongue. Uh, he uh, neither, uh, neither have I, doubt. I have no idea what the hell that means, so don't worry. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, uh, the writer then goes on to uh, suggest, uh, the, the, the author of this series of articles, who's a columnist apparently, not a, not a so-called journalist, that uh, he's, uh, the sheriff has continuously exemplified one of the worst traits of the Latino experience uh, without defining what that might be until part two. 
Uh, at that point, uh, in part two, the author professes amazement at Villanueva's criticism of, you guessed it, burn, loot, murder, the Black Lives Matter movement, in which he says reflects a racism against Black people that is, and Eddie, you're going to love this, quote, latent in all Latinos, close quote. <clears throat> wow. That's a... Uh... Yeah. Every single yeah. Latino. Mm -hmm. How many Latinos do we have? Over 50 million in America? Yeah. That, 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 that's, that not racism 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 that's not a racist. That's not a racist statement. Every single one. Uh, and then the author goes on to say, for everyone, uh, say her name, uh, you'd have to say a thousand names for people who were killed. Uh, black people killing black people. That was what the sheriff uh, proclaimed. Uh, in, 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 I guess talking about Breonna Taylor, uh, presumably. Uh, the sheriff was absolutely right in that analysis. Uh, Bill Nueva felt black people have it far better today than in the past. And what's keeping young black, black people down is themselves. Uh, I would say a rather indelicate way of putting it, but I don't really have any disagreement with the overall uh, sentiment at all. Yeah, I, and, and just to agree with the Villanueva, there's no doubt that I agree with everything that he's saying so far. Sure. Uh, apparently, according to this uh, left-wing uh, columnist, the sheriff has tapped into the vein of anti-blackness latent in all Latinos, one that gets exacerbated when black and Latino communities compete for the same resources in the uh, United States. Uh, Breitbart notes that the author here provided zero evidence that, quote-unquote, all Latinos share a sense of anti blackness uh the author is also also angry at the sheriff because he doesn't like the term latinx uh he has ridiculed it uh the, the sheriff has said it's a modern creation the average latino says to that term screw you the entire language is based on gender everything has a gender inanimate objects have a gender el ar arbol tree is not la arbol it's el arbol uh, Villanueva, Villanueva, again, uh, is a Democrat, up for re-election in 2022. Uh, he actually fought against van, uh, vaccine mandates uh, for his employees in the sheriff's department, obviously L.A. County, and an enormous jurisdiction out there in Southern California. So here you have uh, one of the leading papers in the United States attacking a Latino sheriff, uh, saying he's exhibiting the worst traits of Latinos, uh, and then the uh, exhibiting the latent anti-blackness in Latino Americans. If, if you turned this around, and substituted any other groups uh, commenting about uh, Asian people or black people or LGBT pe people, the worst traits of, of any group, uh, this writer would be, I mean, his career would be over. But Sheriff Villanueva leans kind of right. He's kind of a border control guy. He doesn't like vaccine mandates. He doesn't like- But, black but wait, let's, re let's repeat, Dowd. He is a registered Democrat, is he not? Even that is not helping him, Eddie. Even that. Okay, so th see, this is this is the bullying that goes on by the media, uh, and this has a lot to do with the fact that there are people out there who are registered Democrats, and if they exhibit even the traits, it regardless of their party registration. Here we go to blur the lines yet once again to go ahead and do what we can to keep everybody in line on the left, and this is what they do. So they pull out his Hispanic card, then they say if he is in any way. I don't know, caustic for lack of a better word. That means anyway, in slight negativity mm -hmm. towards black people. Then it, then essentially it has this latent term in every Hispanic person in an attempt to bully and push it all the way through. And then and then you come over the top with, with things like if you exhibit any of the right wing, it doesn't matter what your party registration uh, is. Anything that the right wing might agree with you on, you might as well be a right winger regardless of your party affiliation and you being the highest law enforcement uh, officer in 
in the land. And then, of course, uh, hey, let's not forget, now that he's an anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, and uh, has uh, fought against the mandates, well, of course, uh, it doesn't matter what your party registration is. So there it is, Democrats. You might as well come on over. If uh, why, why, why do you Democrats continue to be registered Democrats? If you exhibit one trait that seems to be at all rational and seems to be the right thing to do, um, it doesn't matter what your party registration is. We need you to come over to the right side. I don't care if that's becoming an independent or a Republican doubt. Eddie, I can't. Something weird is happening uh, on the left in terms of the, the, uh, the opinion leaders and the thought leaders. Is there, a, is there some sort of separation happening with a, with a significant portion of the Hispanic community in America? We've got, we've got some voting data and some polling data saying uh, Hispanics are not on board with the woke agenda. Uh, there have been outspoken Hispanics uh, fighting critical race theory. They don't buy into this idea that America is inherently racist. Uh, these are people who have more traditional values. They're glad that America's here. A lot of these folks either came from corrupt Latin South American countries or their parents or their grandparents came uh, or great grandparents or, you know, the Mexicans go back 11, 12, 13 generations. Uh, it, it, the more I look at this, Eddie, the more it just seems to me that 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 the core religion of the Democratic Party and liberalism has become wokeness, racial ideology, identity politics, and a hell of a lot of American Hispanics are not on board with that. And I guess they're not wanted in the liberal Democrat coalition anymore. Well, let's not forget, though, it's also the responsibility of the Republican Party to make them feel welcome. Um, we don't know we don't do that here in the state of New Mexico. I mean, I don't know if there was a more prominent Hispanic uh, Republican than me in the state uh, right now. Uh, hopefully soon that will be Luis Sanchez and hopefully he gets the benefits of what I did not get uh, during that. I'm really praying that that happens. Uh, we don't have one Hispanic gubernatorial candidate uh, coming from the, uh, the the right side. So part of the problem uh, becomes is not giving them a soft landing in a place where and I hate to say they, but where Hispanics can actually go and feel welcomed. Uh, you know, I think more and more Hispanics are becoming more independent. I think they don't feel welcome within the racist Republican Party. I think that there is a, you know, and I, dare I say it, I think Donald Trump, I think, exhibited a certain level of uh, a dog whistle racism that was going on by saying, oh, we love our Hispanics. We love our Hispanics. Well, no, we're not a group of people, uh, Donald Trump. This is one of the reasons why I am so adamant about getting behind a guy like uh, Ron DeSantis in a majority minority state, like where there's Cubans and there's Hispanics and all these other people, like people just don't care about race. But when you make it a ploy in order to sort of keep certain races out of certain places, you know, people are leaving the Republican Party isn't as much as they're leaving the Democrat Party. I hate to say that, but it's a large a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just don't feel represented. And Hispanics don't feel like they have a place to go to. They know they're not Democrats. But at the very same time, they want to feel Republican, but they know that they don't feel welcome with the Republican Party. Take, for example, Rubio and Ted Cruz. I mean, Ted Cruz, uh, say what you will about him. I'm not his biggest uh, advocate, nor am nor I Marco Rubio. But I think people don't think of them as, as Republicans first. They think of them as conservatives. You know, these are people that largely got shunned by a number of people in the Republican Party. Like, Republicans, it's time for you to start embracing your minority. And it's not a black person. It's his 
Hispanics. You want to talk about traditional family values. You want to talk about the growth of America. Get behind Hispanics, Hispanic families. Stop trying to co-opt them into Christian churches. Let them bring their Catholicism with them and let them go ahead and espouse for what they've believed in since day one. You're trying to change Hispanics into white people. And that's part of the problem that's exhibited right there. This is the easiest time to go ahead and just pluck those fruits from the tree and say, you know what? Democrats, Hispanics are not synonymous. They're not one and the same. This is when we got to get people to leave the plantation, I think, entirely altogether doubt. I think it's just way too much. And, you know, this is just another example of Villanueva not having a uh, sort of place or, or, excuse me, people like Villanueva not having a place where they can run to and get behind people who are actually going to be protecting him. Has one person come out on behalf of Villanueva? They won't. Republicans won't because he's a registered Democrat. Um, you know, people in Los Angeles won't because, well, he is, he's a Democrat. Speaking. Like, he has no solace behind anybody. He's standing on his own, and I'm sure his wife and his family thinks he's a brave man, but he's not going to last very well on his own if he doesn't have an affinity group. And we've got to be able to create that affinity group. Unfortunately, we're trying to do that in Republicans Republican Party and the Republican Party ain't welcoming for it. It's it's it's. Uh, I think you, you speak the truth, Eddie. And I think. What yeah, yeah. Tell me I'm wrong on this. No, tell me I, I'm I, wrong on this. I think that maybe what a lot of late lazy Republicans are thinking is okay. A lot of you know Hispanic. It's our largest uh, minority group, and and again, I don't even like talking in those terms because everyone's an individual. But if you're gonna, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. By ethnicity, it is our largest minority group. A number of years ago, surpassed Black Americans. Uh, just because they're being turned off, and broadly speaking, many of these people are being turned off by progressivism and wokeism, doesn't mean they're coming to you. Uh, just because they're walking away from something else, don't assume they're coming to you. Uh, I've always wondered why the dolts in the Republican Party in this state don't, in the South Valley, every two weeks have a school choice forum for parents in the South Valley who want to get their kids out of crappy APS schools. I mean, my God, reach out. Uh, and tokenism isn't going to do it. And and assuming that uh, just the fact that so many numbers of these people are leaving uh, the Democratic coalition isn't going to do it either. I mean, make a well, well, the reason why they don't do it, though, Dowd, is because that dog whistle is out there. They know that they don't have a place to go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other explanation except implicit racism, inherent racism that's involved in. Ra- you give me another, please give me another explanation because I'd love to see it. But I tell you, the Republican Party has been whitewashed. I think more so in Bernalillo County than maybe any other place. Again, look at your gubernatorial candidates and and who's out there. My God, my God! Like, are you are you even kidding me? Let's get. Uh, uh, I guess the most diverse candidate uh, amongst them happens to be the most decorated, but, but by and large, you're not going to be able to go ahead and get create that swing voter throughout the rest of the state in a majority-minority state, and the Republican Party misses it yet again, and we really needed to get it right. So that's why I'm a big advocate for Luis Sanchez. You know, uh, I know that, uh, you know, at least, you know, Greg Zanetti is married or ha- has has uh, connections with a min- the minority community, but the other three, it's just like, yeah, let's get our token lieutenant governor black guy who is generally running, and, and, and we're going to replace that as, like, yeah, we're diverse to hell we are to hell we are Eddie, i'm so loath to, to to make the charge of of racism it just it's so because it, i think it's employed so irresponsibly by so many people but i do think you're really on to something there's something about the leadership in this state primarily white older evangelical christian uh, uh people who just cannot relate to the diversity at 49 i think the census numbers were 40 we're now 49.8 percent hispanic in this state um and there's just not not at all 
uh, made to feel welcome. And Eddie, I, you know, I've, I've, I've used the, I've, I've charged racism almost zero, zero times in my entire life, but I, I cannot, I'd love to try to pick apart your argument, but I really can't. And I, and Frank, I, I think I said it last week. I know a couple of party hacks who've said they've heard from upper echelon people about how we don't intend to do any reach out uh, to any, anyone beyond the people we perceive to be our people. And I think we all, you know, know what, what, what that means, but uh, 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 lest, we, lest we beat a dead horse, let's go to something very, very funny. Uh, we'll stay within the sort of lefty, woke nonsense. Uh, an MSNBC article made the claim, uh, I believe her col- the columnist's name is Cynthia Miller Idris. Uh, she has pronounced that the latest scheme, now you might be, you know, this, this might affect your life, folks, uh, for white supremacists is to valorize violence and hyper- masculinity uh physical fitness is a marker to identify someone as a possible white supremacist okay by arguing to uh for the promotion of physical fitness and quote positive physical changes close quote is a attempt at propagandizing people uh it took her four sentences before her column identified uh fitness with hitler and the nazis according to our expert here cynthia Miller Idris, physical fitness has always been central to the far right in Mein Kampf, uh, a book I'm sure most of the listeners of uh, the Draw Talk have read. I mean, I, I've got several versions at home. Uh, Hitler fixated on boxing and jujitsu, believing they could help him create an army of millions whose aggressive spirit and impeccably trained bodies combined with fanatical love of the fatherland would do more for the German nation than any mediocre tactical weapons training. Uh, the good news is when someone goes as crazy as this, uh, there is a quick response. Uh, people got out kind of early on this. One person responded, I saw my neighbor out for a jog. Should I report him or wait till it escalates to maybe push-ups? Okay, guys, now you've done it. Now you've literally politicized something which should have been left alone. Good job, you morons, replied seven-time Mr. Olympia winner Phil Heath. Uh, another joker said, WTF? I did 10 push-ups, and now there's a swastika tattoo on my shoulder. That's my uh, my favorite response to this. Uh, Eddie, it's getting to the point where I don't... Are they trolling us? Do they actually believe this? Um, is it is it someone in Hollywood, a comedy team, writing in a, in a, in a conference room uh, saying, what do, what do we try out today, or is this actually real? Physical fitness equals Nazism. Well, again, we're getting back to this point uh, where we'll do anything to get rid of any paternalism, masculinity, etc. And I think this is where you sort of see, you know, between Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, and then feminism all seemingly coming together as this uh, victim group. I mean, you can't see it any other way. So I think you're going to cons- uh, continue to see that uh, the the construing. And let's not forget Black Lives Matter. This has to do with the absence of a father in the household. Uh, this is a reason why I talked about this during the mayoral campaign, 71-72%. The LGBTQ, this is a lack of sexual identity in the household. That's how you get these people who end up like this, and it is a choice. And then, uh, you know, the feminists, uh, let's not forget, uh, every raging feminist out there has raged against a father who is either absent, an alcoholic, or just a total a-hole from one to the other. And so, I think you see these things that are uh, concocted uh, artificially, and so these victim groups are essentially created and i think it's the same formula i don't think it it, it changes a whole lot uh we yeah. should probably get some listener feedback lots and lots of texts coming in i don't know do you want to rifle these off out uh, probably about 40 texts okay Ooh. here we go very yeah we got a lot of people what the left and the globalists are doing is brilliant 
They're running down and destroying cities throughout this country, in part to destroy our national overall but this destruction also opens up some of our nation's most desired lucrative properties in the world that can now be bought for pennies on the dollar by companies like BlackRock and or enemy countries like China. Now, I would say that that's erroneous on the standpoint that we see escalating real estate prices in New York, despite the fact that you have population flight in Seattle, in Portland, in Los Angeles. I mean, properties are going more now than they ever have. And one of the reasons is, you know, they're not rolling out new properties in any of these places. And uh, let's not forget the cost of money has never been lowered, despite the interest rates are finally going up. So I would disagree on that. We absolutely have to stop allowing foreign countries and foreign entities to buy any property in our nation. I couldn't disagree more with anything. And from a real estate standpoint, uh, you should not restrict who can buy what and how. Um, I think that that is a terrible idea. Um, It's sort of anti-free trade, too. Uh, which uh, I, I am uh, dead set against. Uh, I knew that we have a certain level of superiority. I'm all about buying American from a value perspective, but ultimately the consumer is going to buy what is best for him. If it comes between uh, you supporting uh, this country and you getting uh, 50% off on something, you're going to choose 50% off 10 times out of 10. It's just the way that it is. And then you'll tell everybody else, oh yeah, I bought American. You're not going to spend 50, uh, twice as much to buy American. We have to do it better and cheaper. This is all part of the strategic, systematic dismantling of the United States by both our enemies outside of our beloved nation and our enemies within. That's from Judy. Uh, She's a Christian patriot, but, you know, she sees things through the prism of a very uh, sort of patriotic, my dollar will only buy American goods. And, you know, we can't have that type of myopic. Uh, That's a very irrational way of looking at the world. Uh, That would not be considered a rational actor. Um, If you're feeding a family of four, uh, and uh, you only have a middle of wage job or a low income job, trust me, you are not going to be making, you don't have the liberty or the luxury or the uh, ability to make those types of choices. So mm-hmm. it's a very luxurious position uh, to take. Unfortunately, Eddie, people leave the blue state for the red states and then start voting for the same type of people and policies that they are fleeting. Liberalism is a cancer and it spreads. Uh, one of the problems I think that happens in all of that is that people go with what they know. And so when you pick your political culture, whether it's the left or the right, that has a lot to do with, you know, uh, there's really um, this sort of disassociative, I made these choices and you didn't realize that it created these impacts. You find people to demonize and blame, much like you blame Trump for everything or much much like you blame these, you know, crazy white people for everything. You can't run around and do that. Uh, That doesn't doesn't actually uh, create uh, the reality of what actually exists. Um, people should be picking the, th- the very things that are best left for them. And, you know, if you're running from a state that's majority blue and you continue to vote blue in the new red state that you go to, well, you probably didn't learn a whole lot. And then that's why we see the changing of Austin, Texas, or certain suburbs of Phoenix that are turning bluer and bluer. And that's why uh, political education, talk radio, and uh, dare I say it, Dowd, uh, social media is so incredibly important. I will not be on social media. liberalism is a cancer and it does uh, spread a lot of people were telling me about Merle Haggard that that was the uh, uh, the song that was being played Uh, Eddie I was a manager at the Century Rio 24 theater 10 years ago 
We did some of the biggest numbers of the customers in the country during those massive blockbuster opening weekends. Lots of local and national celebrities would also come in. What do we have comparable today? The answer is nothing. Uh, no one's interested in movies here in the state of New Mexico. I would love to see, and there's got to be something out there on heavy or some other sort of uh, second tier um, you know, Rolling Stone, uh, if, the, you know, you would consider first year a sort of pop culture analysis that would give us an idea as to on a per capita basis, how many people subscribe to Netflix, etc., and uh, how many people and how much we consume. I would dare I say, despite our investment in Netflix, and our investment in movies, I don't think we consume quite as much as we all think that we consume here in the state of New Mexico. I think people are, uh, by and large, pretty uh, disconnected from Hollywood here. Um, let's see, Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard, Merle, oh wow, the name of the fighting side of me, the name of the song, Merle Haggard, Sholo, Arizona, um, I don't know why we're talking about Sholo, Arizona, um, I guess it's cheaper there, I bet that's the best that I can uh, probably say about that, but not much cheaper, Arizona is very, very expensive, I've been both to Tombstone and Prescott, uh, that's the way they call it, lately, they've both been Californicated, Tombstone has not, that's a great place to go to, uh, Eddie, I saw B.B. King in El Paso right before his passing. Great show. Yeah, B.B. King was uh, one of the best. The thrill is gone. Let's see. Uh, Rena on Getter. We want a list of names. Madison Cawthorn talks about the D.C. elites. Um, one of the things about the uh, Supreme Court Justice nominee, uh, what's her name? She has a three-letter and a hyphenated um, name at that. Um, yeah. yeah, she was also involved in the uh, ping, Comet Ping Pong Pizzagate uh, in letting one of those particular uh cases uh, off the hook um eddie el paso downtown is nice and clean and no homeless people and that is a gorgeous hotel it certainly is folks i gotta tell you i really love this eddie you have to watch the foreign version of the will smith chris rock crap it was not broadcast in the united states uh you know i just don't need to and i'm not on social media but i'll take your word for it um I don't know why Chris Rock is getting slapped, but uh, he is sort of the anti-black guy nowadays. Have you noticed that? So it's uh, it's, it's kind of crazy, right? Like the way that they kind of phrase everything, you know, um, because he's the guy. Remember, um, he did that famous skit on uh, how here's what you don't want to do with the police. And that has continued to haunt him. No, it really has. Very um, the only way. <laughs> Yeah, very, very unwoke. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so much to clean up here in the city of Albuquerque. Oh, wow. And I'm meeting new people here. Um, I met some people who just uh, flew in from Scottsdale. Uh, Arizona is a family that has, uh, he owns a software company and uh, long story short, they're bringing their children here to get, I guess this is one of the best uh, pediatric hospitals, children's hospitals in the entire country, wow. El Paso, Texas. Yeah. Wow. And apparently, you know, well, you know, you, you think so much about us going to the dentist in Juarez, Mexico. Well, sort of the opposite, because El Paso does a lot of weird surgeries, and their children's hospital is one of the uh, top uh, children's hospitals in the country. So they didn't go to Phoenix Children's Hospital. Uh, their son, a very cute kid, his name is Stetson, 
Um, ah. very, very, they, they have four, four kids. Okay. And I was literally at the pool cause I was just, you know, hanging out and just tanning, getting some sun, things like that. And so I grabbed young Stetson right there. He's got a, a shunt and sort of an oblong like head and they're trying, he's coming for his new helmet. And I was carrying Stetson for a good half an hour there by the pool. And one of the reasons why they came here is because the particular doctor only operates on uh on those types of uh, of of kids who have that type of condition four to five times a year but apparently there's several doctors here and the one doctor that they found does 300s of 300 of these surgeries a year here in the state of texas and one of the other things about texas is the cost of medicine and procedures in texas and not to mention the liability insurance that is carried uh versus what is in arizona arizona has become quite woke uh, as of late, my sister lives in Texas. I got to say a lot of good things that she, she loves about it. A lot of other people love Texas. I believe Claire Chase just recently relocated to Dallas, Texas. She, of course, was the CD2 candidate and married to the richest person in the you know state of New Mexico. So, I mean, people by and large are picking up and leaving and they're not leaving for Arizona as much as they're leaving for the state of Texas. And folks, it's just right down the road. You can enjoy uh, Sunland Park. You can enjoy Las Cruces. And and then uh, live right across the board in El Paso, Texas. This particular um, bar where I'm sitting, you can see I'm having some some water here, just so you guys know. But let me kind of take you just on a quick tour, if you don't mind. Then we'll cut to break uh, here with uh, with Eric. Eric producing everything. Look, look at this beautiful hotel. Look how full it is. Wow. You guys see that? See the kids right here? Wow. Yeah. There's everything. And then if, yeah, nice very cool. family friendly. Yeah, it is. It's gorgeous. It's a, an amazing thing. So you guys are seeing all of that directly on rockoftalk.tv. Just another place and another reason to go ahead and subscribe and uh, watch our stuff. I'm telling you, let me, I'll just give you a quick tour around this whole lobby. These people absolutely love the fact that I'm doing the radio show here, too. Um <laughs> No, seriously, they were they were good. I went I went to this uh, steakhouse last night, the seventeen hundred. Um, oh, so there's the um, seventeen hundred steakhouse, which is absolutely gorgeous. Let's see if you guys can see inside this little steakhouse. Look at this. There's not. I mean, you know, Ruth Chris will cost for two people. I don't know what four four fifty. This place last night. Look at this. Look at the roof. That's Look at everything cool. that you guys see there. Yeah, yeah. Look at the the wine rack is on the steakhouse floor here, seventeen hundred. No, it's right there. There it is. There, I didn't, I didn't partake of all that and all the historical stuff. You know, President Taft, Porfirio Diaz, all of the paintings right there. I mean, it's something. There's history everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Let's take a quick call if we can here in the Kiva. I'm broadcasting live from the Hotel Paso del Norte here in El Paso, Texas. Sorry, and they just, uh, they just dropped. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. I, I apologize. I didn't see that come through until just now. Well, let's take a quick break. If we could, Eric, take us out. You're listening to AM 1600 KIVA, rockoftalk.com. This is, uh, this is uh, I don't know if you guys saw my my shirt here i got my little uh shirt by the way i got to talk to you guys about a shop owner i'm gonna be inter talking about a shop owner i saw this weekend at cottonwood uh mall there it is there's a support your local record store we don't have record stores i just talked about that 
Yeah, no no record stores in Albuquerque. Uh, let's see. 536 here in Akiva. Back and forth. Thanks for listening. Buford T. Justice, now you've up and left us. Where are you, Justice, when we need you the most? Ah, the music of Genesis, Phil Collins, there, 541 here in the Kiva, broadcasting from the Hotel Paso del Norte. One more time, we'll do it tomorrow, all once again for the last uh, test, and we're going to have men on the street with Eric. He'll be doing a lot of that stuff. I have a funny story about Genesis. Uh, my friend, uh, his name is Chris. Uh, he now lives in Virginia, runs a radio station, public radio station out in uh, Virginia, but his wife... Her name is Jen. She's from Venezuela. Interesting thing about her is they met because of, he's really into prog rock, okay? I don't know if anybody knows what prog rock is, but it's progressive rock. So his wife's name is Genesis, yeah, and he's really into Genesis. So they met, uh, like, online, uh, and um, his affinity for Genesis led him to a woman of Venezuela by the name of Genesis, uh, who he calls Jen, and uh, there you go. Uh, let's see, if we think of the Alan Parsons Project, uh, Pink Floyd would be considered prog rock as well. Uh, maybe there's lots of good good bands. Yes, I think is uh, also considered. Yeah, just look under prog, prog rock and look at all the uh, great bands, and then Genesis is uh, under there uh, as well. Five fifty fifty five hundred. Uh, where to next in the loud uh, in the land of uh, Didad Muscat? Well, I wanted to bring up a favorite of mine, a hardy perennial, as they say. I, I personally am running out of corporations to boycott. I'm exhausted. I can't keep up with it. Um, I'm out driving around doing errands, and I can't remember if I'm, I'm allowing myself to stop in this particular store or not. Uh, it's not getting better. It's getting worse, I would argue. Now, I'm going to lead off with one that is near to us, but not in America. It, 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 I'm sure this has probably manifested itself in some ways in America, but a Canadian branch of Home Depot. Now, I am not a homeowner, and I'm about as interested in home alterations and repairs and renovations as I am in uh, ballet, which is to be very close to zero. So I can't say I'm a big Home Depot customer, so this one doesn't strike uh, too closely. <clears throat> they posted a notice, uh, and uh, this has gone, uh, I guess, viral, uh, to, for lack of a better uh, phrase, uh, looking at privilege and how you need to be uh, uh, analyzing your privilege uh, it was a notice to employees, including a checklist, uh, particularly for those who are white, male, Christian, cisgender, able-bodied, and heterosexual. Uh, the title was Leading Practices Unpacking Privilege. This was way up in Calgary, Alberta, you know, the heartland of Canada. Uh, you, you would not expect this kind of thing. I mean, I'm sure you could see it in Montreal or Quebec or Ottawa maybe British Columbia or Vancouver, but uh, not in Calgary. Uh, workers at this particular Home Depot branch were urged to discuss their privilege 
uh, while being told that the word white creates discomfort, especially when individuals are not used to being defined or described by their race. Uh, I thought in the Western world, all we do is talk about our, our race today. So that's kind of odd. Uh, hoping to celebrate Christmas. The flyer said, if you can expect time off, uh, if you can expect time off from work to celebrate your religious holidays, you have Christian privilege. Uh, staffers were told in this posting that if you're confident that the police exist to protect you, then you have white privilege. I'm sure there's a lot of white folks who've had encounters with the cops. Wow. Or their white that's, privilege. A, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so apparently if, to... if you call the police officers and you, you get some sort of response out, uh, apparently Christian and white privilege. Got it. You got to check the box. You got to let them know, all, you know, that you fulfill all the categories. Uh, people were asked to check a box determining which privileges they had. Uh, again, white male, uh, your class. I'm not really sure what class I'm in. Uh, I, you know, when I was in fourth grade, I knew I was a fourth grader. Uh, Christian, cisgender, able-bodied again, and, and heterosexual. But I really like these ones at the bottom here where they list the warnings. Uh, if while growing up, college was an expectation of you, uh, not a dream, you have class privilege. Um, now, I don't know that living in constant fear that my parents and grandparents uh, were going to beat the living hell out of me if I didn't get good grades so I can get into a good college. I don't know that I'd call that privilege, but that's kind of what I what I grew up with. I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating a little bit. Uh, if you can use public bathrooms without stairs, fear of anxiety, you have cisgender privilege um yeah uh i do i i just find when i'm in public bathrooms, I, don't really people around. I don't really i'm not trying to assess them i kind of do what i need to do and get out of there as quickly as possible uh number three uh, of four uh if you don't have to worry about how to get into a store you have mm. able-bodied privilege how to get into mm. the, there the, go. Door, the front door uh and finally uh number four if you don't have to explain that your spouse is of the same gender you have heterosexual privilege that's wow well there it is uh, all the privileges of uh, being hetero yeah that's that's corporate america up in canada although i think i imagine uh, home depot is probably based in the united states uh citigroup uh another very very large corporation and this one i can relate to because uh i'm pro-life, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. A growing number of Republican-controlled states, of course, are passing measures uh, to, uh, well, restrict uh, what many of us consider uh, a very distasteful uh, procedure. Uh, Citigroup has announced to its shareholders that it is starting to cover the travel costs for their employees who are seeking abortions. Uh, this is not some crazy guy in a basement. This is Bloomberg News. I'm sure the reporter was probably happy to report this from being Bloomberg. Uh, quote, in response to changes in reproductive health care laws, in certain states, watch, always watch the language, ladies and gentlemen, changes in reproductive health care laws. Some of us might say looking to protect unborn children, uh, we wouldn't really couch it as reproductive health care laws. Uh, beginning in 2022, we provide travel benefits to facilitate access to adequate resources. Uh, the, the bank wrote in a filing to be shared during uh, its shareholder meeting in April. They will cover all travel related expenses, including airfare and lodging for employees who need to travel to a different state to undergo a, an abortion procedure. Uh, Citigroup is not a small company. Uh, they have 8,500 people in Texas. And of course, that Texas law has gotten the most coverage, although I think there's some legislation uh, under uh, underway in Idaho as well. Citigroup uh, employs more than 200,000 people in the United States. The banking giant is hardly alone. Other companies, uh, including uh, the dating app 
Match Group Incorporated and Lyft and Uber. They're trying to use their corporate money. They are using their corporate money to battle the Texas law. Lyft and Uber are, uh, both of these companies have said they will cover the legal fees for drivers who are sued under the new Texas pro-life law. Um, I left Uber a number of years ago because of their global warming nonsense. I went over to Lyft and actually had some good experiences with Lyft. Now I guess I'm going to have to not have a ride-sharing app on my devices at all. Eddie, I, I, I'm generally opposed to boycotts because there's no logical stopping point. Um, right, exactly. Uh, but, I, I, and, and I probably said this on the air before, For I've been in this business for 30 years. Uh, those of us who believe in free market principles, lower taxes, school choice, limited government, free trade, deregulation, we've always looked at corporate America that the entities that thrive on a free economic environment, a relatively free economic environment. And we've looked at them and said, "These, you are all so cowards. Uh, if we're a magazine or an op-ed columnist or a think tank or a politician running on pro-capitalism or you know, advocating pro-capitalism policies, you guys play the game. Your trade associations are always glad-handing, giving money to Republicans and Democrats alike. You're caving. The healthcare industry always caves when it comes to government takeovers of healthcare." We've been very angry the entire time I've been in this world. We've been angry at corporate America for not weighing in on a lot of these important issues. Well, it turns out corporate America did decide in the last couple of years to weigh in on some issues. And we found out what top corporate executives and corporate boards think. And the more we find out about what these people think, the more people like me wish they would go back to doing nothing because now they are actively working against sound public policy uh, in our country, locally, globally, state, whatever. Um, I, I am running out of a li my list is just running off the piece of paper in the companies that I would like to boycott. I'm sticking with my Coke boycott. I'm enjoying my RC Cola. But Eddie, uh, when corporate America, which has a little bit of power, they employ a lot of people, they spread a lot of around a lot of campaign cash. Uh, they're very influential. Uh, they're very influential in the media. Their trade associations are powerful lobbying entities. Uh, they have surrendered or or actively embraced uh, left-wing ideology. I never thought I'd, I'd live to the day when I want them to go back into the closet and just shut the hell up. Uh, now we found out where they stand and they don't stand with people like me and I dare say people like you, Eddie. And uh, my rage level with the wokeness uh, uh, and the liberalism of corporate America, uh, it's really reaching a boiling, boiling point. And I won't call this a rant, but I'm, I'm reaching my limit, folks. Let's uh, look at this from the standpoint of, again, the, my previous point about the affinity groups that are based upon victimization. And you take the LGBTQ, you take Black Lives Matter, you take uh, Antifa, uh, if you will, like the fascists, if you're making money, we hate you capitalists. And uh, I don't know, any woke group that seems to be out there. I think we even have uh, recently the Asian American community coming together saying that they've been victimized. And, you know, everyone's got their victim story. And so now that, that overall, if you, you were to sort of encapsulate that into one man, that would be Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and Colin Kaepernick is a man who's done well and probably become more prolific, at least in terms of name recognition and what he's leading post-athlete uh, uh, participation. Uh, he's trying to get back into the game. Uh, they don't want him to be in there. Uh, because people don't want their politics mixed with their sports, even though that's exactly what he's done. But he's emblematic of exactly that victimization story, how it is profitable, 
how it is something that, uh, you know, you won't find a single white person. Uh, you won't find any Hispanics on any of these NCAA commercials. Just look at all these commercials that are on there. And it has to do with victimization just being completely profitable at this point. You have to understand that, you know, I, I don't know that there's a, uh, a white man on TV that's not married to a black woman mm -hmm. at this point. I mean, you just have these things. Yeah, I mean, you just have to look at these things and just really, truly understand, like, what is being uh, said and so Sold to you and if you're not woke you're not buying any of these products which is why there's just such a divergence and why so many people have just rebelled against the, these types of things uh doubt in in general they have decided that you know what i'm going to vote with my feet i'm going to vote with my money i'm not going to purchase your products we're not going to actively boycott as you stated before boycotts you know there is no end to them when do you stop but we do know that there are certain companies and certain people that you know embody our values and we're going to go ahead and patronize those we're not going to be explicitly annoyingly uh, uh purchasing only those uh, products uh, to the extent that that uh, they represent us but we're going to make sure that we avoid those companies and those world corporations that are trying to impress upon us a new set of values uh for us and our families you are in control of you and your family and uh the your extended community uh but you know to the extent that corporate america can impress upon you a new set of values it will certainly try to do so make it less profitable by stopping your purchase of any and all of these products so because you know these communities have come together and it's just another marketing arm uh, whether it's Kaepernick, Nike, whatever it happens to be. You know, I like my products as much as the next person, um, but I certainly aren't, aren't going to carry the uh, sort of uh, just do it uh, emblems or whatever they're advertising these days uh, for their political purposes. And that's exactly what this is. This is a political uh, uh, push. It's a politically correct push in order to get you on their side. That's what corporate America has been trying to do. But you've seen that just hurt them in spades and they've had to abandon this. Uh, I think even the wokeness also crossed over, uh, if you will, into the masking and the vaccine. You know, do you want to save a life? Do you want to? And they, they finally realize, hey, you know what? We got to move away from all this stuff. So I think it's breaking these companies, uh, but it takes time for it to actually happen down. Yeah, and and I, uh, Eddie, I don't, you know, I, I I probably mentioned that I gave the new Law and Order a chance, and they actually have it for free on their website. And so I actually have experienced some commercials. Uh, I hadn't watched commercials since the, Tom Brady, uh, well, for a while, wrapped up his career, and now he's coming back. But uh, the as I said during the football playoffs, all black people. I I I I have no problem with black people. I don't care if I wouldn't care if there were no black people in America. I wouldn't care if everyone in America were black. If you believe in the principles of the founders. Come to America and have a great life. Um, what I I saw that continue when I watched those four Law and Order episodes online because that you had to watch the commercials with them in order to get them free. I won't be watching again, not because of the commercials, because of the actual show itself. Uh, there was an Adidas ad that that just had me my jaw drop because it was about a stunning and brave tra transgender athlete, and I thought, well, I thought, well, I th well, we're all in on everybody in the commercials has to be black, but are they willing to go all the way to transgender? Uh, a brave, I believe it was a she-male or, or a male she or a he-she, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know the details, but uh, actually said something about, you know, we're proud to stand with so-and-so. Right, and exactly. Thought, Are you insane? I yeah. Mean, how is this helping you? How is this doing anything but hurting you 
uh, down the line in terms of your your revenue. Um, that's where these people are. I will say uh, it, it extends even down to the employee level. This wasn't this is kind of a, a, a one minor story, but I do think it's maybe emblematic of what's going on. Remember how we used to hate cops in America? Well, that's right. Away a little bit. Uh, uh, we're back to hating cops in Chicago because a Chicago police officer found that when she went to a Wendy's um, ordering a meal, uh, went to the drive-through, she discovered, let's just say some things in the meal that, uh, did not belong there. Uh, she actually became ill and threw up several times. The employee purposely apparently targeted, uh, this police officer. So it's not all in the corporate boardroom, uh, as bad as that place is, it can go right down to the, to the employee level. And I certainly hope this employee is penalized by Wendy's, which I think has always portrayed itself as, as kind of the all American with Dave Thomas, uh, you know, kind of thing. Although I don't know that Dave's around anymore. Uh, so it's not just the executives uh, in, in, in corporate way up on the, you know, 38th or 138th floor. It can even be down at the minimum wage level. But uh, I, uh, Eddie, I, 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 we are, those of us who believe what we believe uh, increasingly have to really detach from the culture at large and uh, purchase other things, <laughs> maybe get into barter with our neighbors, uh, consume other types of media. You can subscribe at rockoftalk.chat, ladies and gentlemen, for less than 20 cents a day. Uh, we have to build, because so much of our society has been poisoned by this nonsense, we're in a position where we're having to sort of build an alternate reality. Uh, you might say, well, that's wonderful. We can live the way we want to live, but why is it, why should it be necessary for us to have to do that? Um, because of the situation we find ourselves in now today, folks. Well, the absurdity, I think, is defined by, uh, most recently, Juicy Smollett. After being convicted, after the judge lecturing him for an hour, what happens to him, Dowd? Uh, the guy comes back for an exoneration saying, hey, you know, I'm about to be victimized. This is all about Trump. And tried to blame every single person. I think they were coming out to talking about Trump after their their conviction and him getting uh, whatever he got, 18 months in in uh you know in 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 jail so just absolutely ridiculous they'll stop at nothing folks uh, we are always going to be the predators we're always going to be the people who did all the things that have negatively impacted them when they have uh, done it to themselves their entire lives 550 500 if you want to go ahead and text and call in i'll get to your text third hour uh hour three commercial free you and me the dowd makes three three thousand right here in the kiva thanks everybody for tuning in as always rockoftalk.tv rockoftalk.com and don't forget, become a subscriber for less than 20 cents a day at rockoftalk.chat, broadcasting live from the El Paso del Norte Hotel right down here on the borderlands, less than a few hundred yards from Ciudad Juarez. Thanks, everybody, for joining in this broadcast on this afternoon. Yeah, if it ain't woke, don't fix it. That's perfect. That's exactly it. Uh, we'll see you next hour, third hour coming.
606 in the 505 with more 411 here for your third hour. I am Eddie Regan, the Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIV, rockoftalk.com. Hour three, commercial for you and me. The Dow 3000 makes uh, that all come together here as we uh, take you headlong into an evening of broadcasting pleasure on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Don't forget you can catch us directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. And for less than 20 cents a day, rockoftalk.chat for the complete un- or for the complete annotated notes, including what was that song I heard in hour three that I didn't recognize uh, that Eric played? Uh, yeah, I have He's no idea. Master. He is a music yeah. He is. I don't even know what that is, but oh, yeah, uh, it's uh, playing here. My, uh, he likes my uh, my this day in music, so he picked out one of the more deeper cuts from House of that the is Old, a... released today in 1970. Something. <laughs> wow, that is Le- that's Led Zeppelin, huh? Yeah, I, I knew it was Robert Plant, but uh, I think it was pre Honey Drippers, and I thought it was post uh, Zeppelin or pre-Zeppelin. I, I didn't really re- uh, see that. I'm broadcasting live from the Hotel Paso del Norte here uh, in uh, downtown El Paso, just uh, feet away from Ciudad Juarez. Uh, they says five minutes from Juarez. Uh, the uh, visiting place of five presidents uh, of the United States and two presidents of uh, Mexico. Uh, President Barack Obama did not stay here, thankfully. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm doing quite all right uh, here in these environments. Uh, hour three, Dowd, what's up in uh, this? We've covered a lot of ground here, including a lot of woke politics. Uh, not to mention uh, hour one, the demographics of why people are fleeing blue states, why people are fleeing uh, you know, blue cities uh, throughout the rest of this country. What do you've got set up for us here at hour three? Yeah, and if you don't mind, I'm going to get into uh, I'm going to get into it right away. We're going to do kind of a, a New Mexico focused uh, final hour, but but the issues that we're going to discuss are are go range far beyond New Mexico and get to the very core of uh, America and, and American history and and our, and our culture itself. I almost uh, think we should do that going forward, Dowd. I think the first two hours, I just want to like commit to national and international stuff and i think just uh, the commercial free part should just be reserved for the goings-on and the most unique place in all the land that is albuquerque very very unique although uh, this one all uh, it, it affects our entire state uh, because it, it ranged throughout the state but this one occurs up in las vegas the meadows not uh, nevada but las vegas new mexico i believe the 
original Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where the uh, better, uh, if I'm not mistaken, better uh, Red Dawn was filmed uh, in that region uh, up around there. I, I've never seen the second one, and I doubt I ever will, and I doubt I'll see the third one. Unfortunately. Yeah, by the way, the place where it was actually filmed is a place called Anton Chico, Anton Chico, New Mexico. So. Okay. okay. Um, near Las Vegas, though, I think, somewhere not too far. Um, uh, Anton Chico. Uh, all right, so this is Las Vegas, and they have a paper up there that they actually put their content online. There's no paywall, which is getting increasingly rare, and I, and I don't blame newspapers they got to make money somehow uh, and i have a couple of subscriptions not many um because there's not that many good publications out there you should subscribe of course to uh, rockatalk.chat ladies and gentlemen when mayor louis trujillo a politician in new mexico named trujillo that's unheard of uh learned about a proposed exhibit if you're offended by that i i will not apologize uh, it's a joke's a joke uh when mayor louis trujillo learned about a proposed <laughs> exhibit of religious relics in the city museum proposed exhibit of religious relics in the city museum purportedly linked to a group of hooded night riders from the late 1800s he wasn't sure it was a good idea i'm going to tease that eddie and tell people uh, this is a we're going to take some time with this one this is a, a lengthy article but it, again it gets to the heart of uh what we think about our country what we think about our state what's appropriate uh, in a public venue and why some people are just um little snowflakes that are easily offended and i think the mayor probably is is a big part of this problem uh, up there in las las vegas again he was uh, concerned uh, about an exhibit at the city museum he tried to keep an open mind he studied up on the exhibit at the city of las vegas museum and met with organizers and others who had a hand in approving the display which according to city officials failed to go through the proper channels everything changed trujillo said when photos appeared on Facebook, you guessed it. Uh, will we look back in 20 years and wonder why we ever had Facebook? I, I hope so. Uh, of three men wearing... Uh, white... Doubt, doubt. I've already predicted that. You know that. I think so. you have. You have indeed, yes. Yeah. Um, everything changed. Uh, this is the mayor. When photos appeared on Facebook of three men wearing white hoods and standing and kneeling in front of the exhibit before it opened. Quote, as a mayor... How can I condone this type of behavior in this day and age, Trujillo asked. After those photos surfaced, I became very concerned. Okay, you think it's going one direction, folks, but it's not going the direction you think. The pictures prompted the mayor and uh, the city manager, um, Leo Maestas, to pull the plug on the exhibit, sparking a feud with supporters who, I would say to their credit, filed a petition in the 4th Judicial District Court to prevent the city from removing the display. Uh, they are uh, basically citing you know, free speech and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, one can hardly blame them. The city manager uh, had imposed a Friday deadline for the community services department, which, which oversees the museum, to remove the exhibit of religious relics believed to be connected to a resistance group of night riders. Oh, you still think it's going one way, but it's not. A resistance group of night riders known as La Goras Blancas or the White Caps. The clandestine group was formed in the 19th century to stop a land grab by white settlers. Ooh, you didn't see it going in that direction, did you, folks? You thought it was the Grand Wizards and the Exalted Cyclops and all those other boys, right, of those three uh, KKK letters. No, 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 no. This was a clandestine group targeted against white settlers members of the group cut down fences and burned down barns during midnight raids and wore gunny sacks and white hoods over their heads to hide their identities despite the city manager's directive the display is still in the museum 
According to the mayor, quote, we decided to wait for a response from the court regarding the injunction that was filed. The exhibit, however, is locked away from public view. The city shuttered the museum, claiming the decision wasn't related to the controversial exhibit, of course, but staffing shortages elsewhere. <clears throat> the exhibit had been in the works for about three years. It was approved by the museum manager uh, without the approval of her supervisor or anyone else in city government, the whiny mayor said. Okay, Shane Flores, now we're getting to the guts of this, who organized the exhibit. Uh, it's a lengthy uh, title, all in Spanish, and I would completely uh, mangle it, so I won't read it. He called the mayor's reaction to the display and the Facebook photos, quote, a manufactured crisis. And when I tell you more about this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm inclined to think you will agree. When they came to install the altar, it was a ritual, he said, explaining why men wore hoods over their heads in the museum. This was part of a religious rite, a religious ritual. So the mayor wants to mischaracterize it as something else, according to Mr. Flores. He had this false narrative as somehow it's illegal or dangerous. It's not illegal to wear a hood in a museum. It's not illegal to wear a hood anywhere. He wants to create an aura of somehow it's wrong. Now, uh, while this isn't going in the direction you thought it would, uh, I think you can predict uh, the types of folks who are objecting to this. Tyree Torrance, who is black and works as a barber in Las Vegas, said he was repulsed when he saw the photos of the men wearing hoods in the museum. That looks like something racist to me, said Torrance, who originally is from Cuesta. I'm not surprised to see that, but I'm surprised to see it here in the museum. The controversy has spilled into the streets of Las Vegas. On Wednesday, this would be last week, a man with a gunny sack over his head rode a horse outside the museum. Uh, quote, that's exactly what I didn't want to have happen in our community, the mayor said. Can you imagine how many people feel, how people feel in today's age when they're on Grand Avenue, one of the busiest streets in Las Vegas, and see a man on horseback with a hood? <clears throat> Chicano activist Lorenzo Flores, uh, one of the three area residents who filed a court petition to stop the city from removing the exhibit, said the display would help the community understand the real story. We don't look at them as being KKK related or anything like that, he said. A hood is a hood and a gora is a gora. You gotta know the difference. Uh, Lorenzo Flores said that young men who wore the white hoods in the museum when an altar was set up represented three brothers who founded the resistance group. Quote, it's been a ritual for over 100 years, he said. When we set up the altar, it has to be three guys and they have to wear goras. We went ahead and posted it on the Facebooks, on the Facebooks, e, and that because we had to show people that we were setting up the altar and other items. Well, the city apparently said that they were white hoods in a government building, and that cannot be allowed. Well, they were not white hoods. They were goras, and they were doing a ritual. Okay, the religious items, in addition, were once inside a morada, a place of worship for a society of men known as the penitentes. Uh, Mr. Flores claims members of Las Goras Blancas belonged to the Brotherhood. The morada, a place of worship for the society of men, uh, members of the resistance group, uh, was not a typical type of morada in northern New Mexico. He said it is the hermano mayor, or high-ranking member of the morada, that is the subject of the museum's exhibit. Our morada exists as an original native morada. It is homegrown, according to Lorenzo Flores. It has its own songs and prayers. We are not connected to the European Catholic dogma or uh, expectation. Items in the museum exhibit are unique to Las Goras Blancas morada. They were being held for safekeeping by area families after the morada was vandalized by a group of youths in 1975, and the elders decided to break it up until a new morada was built. So what the heck, 
what the heck are we talking about here? What what is the Las Gorras Blancas, uh, the white caps? These people defended the interests of land grant communities. So we're talking about people who got their uh, properties in the faraway province of Nueva Mexicano from the crown in Spain or uh, from uh, Mexican officials. Uh, land grant communities are in and around Las Vegas uh, in a way that defended the community itself from was at the time a pretty remarkable wave of investment by East Coast capitalists. Now, this is all according to David Correa, uh, uh, a professor of American studies at the University of New Mexico. He says that Las Gorras uh, Blancas are part of Las Vegas's history. Uh, at, again, at the time, it was a pretty remarkable wave of investment by East Coast capitalists. They were trying to take advantage of these enormous open spaces. Of course, if you're packed in on the East Coast, you come out to New Mexico in the 19th century and just marvel at the uh, Wide open spaces, land, lots of land under starry skies above, uh, the East Coasters considered available to them. And they wanted, of course, to flood the ranges with cattle, uh, violating the rights of the people had, who had been given uh, land grants from Spain and from uh, Mexico. Las Gorras Blancas, the white caps, their actions frightened outsiders who understood their investments required the dispossession of land grants from the people who live there, according to the professors. Uh, quote, Las Gorras Blancas shut down a lot of that speculation and investment, uh, what appears to me is just defending their, their property rights, and as a result, defended the town of Las Vegas itself, and by virtue of that, defended the ability of those moradas to continue to exist. And, and listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, this is an employee of UNM, okay, an academic from academia, one of the most divorced from realities places you could ever encounter in America. So it would be odd, again, I'm quoting the professor, I think, not to have that exhibit in a city museum. Fascinating stuff. I, I did it not is. know the history of this group. Uh, I'm, again, mm -hmm. not ashamed, but I, I will admit to my ignorance, there's so much of Spanish America that I don't know. We weren't taught over on the East Coast because on the East Coast, everybody's full of themselves and they think that the 13 colonies are the whole history of America. This group is fascinating. Uh, obviously, there's a religious, a religious element to this, but there's obviously a historical element to this. And I don't know that it's at all inappropriate to have this uh, in a publicly funded facility. Uh, it has nothing to do with the KKK. Absolutely nothing but Tyree Torrance doesn't like it. Uh, it looked it looked like something racist to him. Obviously, Tyree, uh, as ignorant uh, and probably willfully ignorant at this point, as ignorant as I was uh, until I read this article, and it's something, boy, I, I'll probably be buying books uh, later in life uh, on these kinds of subjects in the land-grant communities and the, the clashes between the different ethnic communities. It's part of New Mexico history. It's part of American history. It's not offensive, Tyree, and it's not racist. And the mayor of Las Vegas is a coward for cowering to this kind of sensitivity and nonsense. And I have read for a long time, and I'm going to hand this over to Mr. Aragon, an 11th generation New Mexico, who I suspect has more than a few thoughts on this little dust up. Well, I'll tell you, I think the, the interesting thing that immediately uh, you know occurs to me is that it's easy on first pass to take offense to this and then turn this into sort of like a political lightning rod and that's exactly what the las vegas mayor has essentially done so i think you know allowing some other you know group um and dare i say black americans in the las vegas community to go ahead and have an opinion immediately because it doesn't meet their you know smell test or pass their sniff test and you know at that point you decide to go ahead and go woke because 
you don't know your own history. You're mayor of your own town. I mean, everybody should know the history of their own town, especially uh, if they've got to sell it and be able to to talk about it culturally and the history. I mean, well, what do you deal with? And this is one of the reasons why Las Vegas, New Mexico is suffering so badly is because it doesn't have a sense of itself, a sense of its place, and it continues to cater to the wokeness, including one of the one place one places in, in this entire state which uh, caved to the... Uh, the masking and the vaccine uh, of all that. And it's very rural. People should know that Las Vegas, New Mexico is a very rural place. You were just meant to, mentioning Anton Chico. That's about 20 miles uh, directly as the crow flies uh, north of uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico. So it's all very rural. There's a place where my family's from, La Liendre, which is now a ghost town, which stands in between Anton Chico and uh, Las Vegas. And it's just one of those places. I don't know that anyone is is involved in this dust up other than elected officials. I mean, honestly, the locals couldn't probably give a crap about this uh, to begin with. Secondly, they probably can't figure out why, and there's a, a word for them, why this particular group is coming in and having a beef with it. And uh, lastly, you know, when you really do more than scratch the surface, you realize that it's complete 180 from what it ostensibly was, um, you know, based upon um, sort of newfangled interpretations. Everything's racist, everything's KKK. Every, like, I think that's pretty easy to say. So um, I'm not surprised. It shows the level of sophistication of... Uh, Las Vegans, uh, the Meadows uh, people, they don't know anything, right? They're not interested. They don't care. So, you know, um, uh, what an embarrassment, um, top to bottom. I mean, the whole entire thing. And the, the residents of Las Vegas, Nevada might know more about their history than, than the residents of Las Vegas, New Mexico, if this is, is any indication. But, but again, watch the language. Mr. Torrance, Tyree Torrance said, it, quote, looks like something racist. And, hey, that's the standard, right? I mean, whether it's racist that or not, is. it looks like right. something racist. That's um, all it is. And, and let me wallow uh, in my ignorance. So, Eddie, I know this is kind of a deep dive on history, but we have a very intelligent audience, and I wanted to bring this to everyone's attention because, you know, it's kind of the thing that I'm into, but I know a lot of other folks are, are into it too. And, and uh, you know, come on, Lincoln County War, the forced resettlement of the Navajo from, from the northwest of the state down into the, the southeast, that, that, whole, that whole disaster. Um, there is such a rich history, and yes, a lot of it's painful in New Mexico, but there's nothing wrong with uh, examining our history. Uh, I think when you use history to try to recreate public policy today, you're really barking up a very ugly, ugly tree. Uh, and while we're on the subject of that, I will uh, stay on this subject of history because we have a very sophisticated audience. Uh, some of our audience may have even been up at the Santa Fe Plaza over the weekend. Uh, there was a commemoration of the Battle of Glorieta Pass when the uh, Confederates came up the Rio Grande uh, Valley looking to uh, acquire all that uh, mineral wealth in places like Colorado. Uh, they were stopped by uh, the Union forces at, at the Battle of Glorieta Pass, which I guess is pretty fairly close to Pecos. I think the National Park Service opens it a couple times a year. You can actually go onto the, the battlefield and, and look around for the little mine balls that are probably still in the, in, in the dirt. Um, uh, Darlene Durr was up there with her husband, a, a veteran. Uh, she's hoping that a monument to soldiers will once again grace Santa Fe, Santa Fe Plaza. Uh, we know what happened to the last monument to soldiers. It was pulled down by uh, Lily Sage Schweitzer from Wilton, Connecticut, and some of her compatriots. Uh, and I think they got away basically with a tiny, tiny uh, slap on the wrist. According to Darlene, our veterans fought so people have the right to do what they want. She's a 61-year-old uh, retired Santa Fean. And of course, she was referring to the 33-foot obelisk 
that was uh, ripped down in 2020. Uh, her husband was a uh, is a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he was there present as well for Saturday's 160-year anniversary of the Battle of Glorieta Pass. It was a commemoration on the plaza where, <clears throat> coincidentally, the obelisk was initially dedicated to Civil War Union soldiers, as I said at the start of the show, often called the Gettysburg of the West. That's a little bit of historical inflation. I think there were about 1,300 on one side and 1,100 on the other. As I said, more men fell as casualties in one hour at Gettysburg than fell in the entirety of the Battle of of, uh, Gloria Pass. But uh, that, of course, takes nothing away from the men who honorably served that day. Uh, The commemoration of the battle stopped during World War I, according to Daniel Ortiz, a 14th generation New Mexican and founder of the Hispanic Anti-Defamation League. I wonder what Daniel's thoughts on the situation in Las Vegas might be. Uh, the league organized the event with assistance from the Veterans of Foreign Wars, VFW Post uh, 2951, a couple of American Legion posts, uh, and the Hisp- uh, Hispanic Roundtable of New Mexico, Road Warriors, and, yes, the Department of Veterans Affairs. There were about 250 people present. Ortiz said the commemoration was held to honor those who fought in the battle to recognize all veterans and retaliate against, quote, the hijacking of the Sacred Soldiers Monument, close quote, obelisk. The irony is statues dedicated, this is this this young man or older man, I don't know how the old is, uh, a bit of brilliance that no one who uh, works for MSNBC or CNN or The New Yorker could ever could ever even recognize this, this fellow in Santa Fe. The irony is statues dedicated to the Confederacy, con- dedicated to the Confederacy are coming down while Santa Fe had a monument dedicated to Union soldiers, and that came down. So I guess we we can't commemorate anything. Uh, We want to honor our soldiers, he continued. We want peace and harmony to reign in Santa Fe again. There cannot be peace without justice for soldiers who died for our freedom. A 75-year-old Vietnam War veteran from Santa Fe uh, was was present as well. He said, so many of my ancestors fought in that war, including my great-great-uncle. According to Mr. Ortiz, we are in a cultural war. It's a war of hate. We fight hate with love. Love is what makes our veterans fight for us. Um, I know we've been a little heavy on history this hour, Eddie, but I think these stories really dove, dovetail with each other and, and, and expose the, uh, the cultural rot of our country. Right. The cultural yep. complaint of our country. And, you know, I just, I will just say kudos to the people who turned out for this commemoration over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I think that is incumbent upon all of us is to learn history of New Mexico. It's the longest in the entire uh, uh, country as well. So I think we should probably learn a lot more, both the people of uh, Las Vegas and the people of central New Mexico in Santa Fe and the Battle of Glorieta Pass. I almost bought a property on 400 uh, Rio Grande, North Rio Grande, uh, which is right in Old Town, which was actually the home, if you can believe it, of the Confederacy. And you might see the cannon in the middle of the uh, San Felipe, or excuse me, Old Town Plaza. Mm -hmm. And that cannon belonged to the Confederates. I don't know if anybody even knows any of this, but there was a little bit of the, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of the blue-gray, the Confederates versus uh, the Union for all of about four days. I believe we had three casualties, and the property at 400 North Rio Grande was the outpost. um, And it's not even on the historic uh national registry uh it was the outpost for the confederacy in new mexico for the very short time when there was the uh, battle here in albuquerque uh as it were so yeah, i, I mean, almost I, acquired I, that property and turned it into a brew pub uh, believe it or not dad 
Ooh. That would have been something. Yeah. Instead, instead, with my money, I decided to go ahead and open up the Kiva uh, instead. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. well, we can bring you news about the Battle of Glorieta Pass. I mean, if you're one of our young Americans, our young New Mexicans, you probably don't know much about this. Eddie, it has been some time. Uh, the Ken Burns uh, documentary when I was in college, of course, got me heavily into the war between the states. It's ridiculous to call it a civil war because the Confederacy did not want to occupy the national capital and, and run what was going on in the North. It was a secession war. Uh, so you can call it the secession war. You can call it the war between the states. It had nothing to do with the civil war. Uh, civil war is, I guess, more akin to what's going on probably uh, in the Ukraine. If I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, Colonel Shivington got around the back of the Confederates and burned all their supplies and blew up their their donkey carts full of, uh, you know, hard tack and sow belly and ammunition and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think it was Colonel Shivington who did that. Uh, very important because if they'd been able to reach the mineral wealth up farther up into the Rockies, that would, of course, help the Confederacy uh, extend itself. The Civil War in the West is 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 quite interesting. Uh, there was there were battles, of course, uh, New Mexico, probably the farthest west. But there were also battles, some, some battles in Texas, some battles in uh, Louisiana, of course, uh, Missouri, if you want to consider Missouri part of the West. Uh, I guess depends on your your perspective. There were some nasty battles, even even into Arkansas. Though that kind of Western theater theater is often completely overlooked when it comes to uh, America's uh, baptism by fire. Six hundred thousand Americans died. Everybody who died was an American. Uh, people, young folks, often don't believe Eddie today that more Americans died in the Civil War than any other conflict. For now, I'll call it the Civil War. Uh, that particular war uh, than any any conflict, uh, all other conflicts uh, we fought, including World War II, where we had uh, four hundred thousand. Right. 400,000 casualties. Such a, such a big part of American history. And, you know, New Mexico is just such a unique, like, the idea that you would have Civil War battles that, you know, maybe weren't the most important battles, but they, they played mm -hmm. a role you know, way out in the desert at the, at the, at the southern terminus of the Rockies out in a, in a it, literally in New Mexico territory. It was not even a state at the time. Um, it's such a fascinating part of New Mexico. One of the reasons I chose to probably, if I can, spend the rest of my life uh, here in New Mexico, uh, it's such a place of contrast where you have really more of that ancient history bringing you up to more of the modern era, bringing you up to the Cold War, uh, and then a pathetic attempt to launch a space tourism industry here, which uh, has failed. And uh, we will be uh, we'll do an interesting uh, post on our rockoftalk.chat uh, uh, later this week on that as well. But uh, great to see these folks commemorate this, Eddie. And uh, as you said, one the things that some of the maybe more than anything else, what you've said since you've been in El Paso that's resonated with me is these are the people who celebrate their culture, not deny or try right. to or try to exactly. It's really it's just yeah. One of the things that yeah, one of the things that's actually happened is you know there is a complete rewriting of history that happens in places like Albuquerque. We have the toppling of the uh, De Vargas statue in Santa Fe. We have the toppling, uh, of course, of the uh, the De Vargas as well as, uh, I forget the other one, Onyate statue uh, in Albuquerque leading to the shooting of a, I mean, I mean, just ridiculousness that has been happening uh, in, in Albuquerque and Santa Fe. But here, the, it just this doesn't happen. So it's a celebration of Hispanic culture, uh, the hotel, like these are things that people probably rebel against, you know, very famous presidents coming and staying here. Uh, the central plaza here in El Paso itself has all the uh, Hispanic relics, uh, which give a tapestry 
tapestry of the Hispanic origins of El Paso itself. I mean, if the LGBTQ and all the woke uh, people were here, they'd run amok and talk about the unfavorable history towards one minority group or another in El Paso, and that doesn't happen. Uh, and it has to do with a number of people who come across the border, you know, every single day that really celebrate and love Hispanic history. Uh, over here at the, um, would be akin to the Chemo Theater in Albuquerque, they had uh, two Mexican national artists and they had Swan Lake perform. Uh, last night they had a techno artist. I mean, it's a very, I, I listened to jazz uh, just the other night at a place called The International. Um, they have some very forward-thinking um, you know, breweries and bars and places like that, one called the Reagan, uh, which isn't about uh, Ronald Reagan. It's actually named after the owner. But, you know, just just a place that just moves away from all of that ridiculousness that goes on with the uh, wokeness of Albuquerque. Hard to believe we're as blue as we are. Remember, this particular city was run by a Republican up until last year. I think they ran five or six different progressives just to make sure that he was out. But it wasn't uh, wasn't to be before, you know, they were able to change and impact uh, the city in a very, very positive way. And you can see some of that stuff sort of spill over. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to be mayor of Albuquerque, because I think I could have had this type of impact that uh, the mayor of El Paso had on his uh, city for all of four years. You know, um, again, I want to go back to how the El Paso locomotive, the soccer team, and the El Paso Chihuahuas, the baseball team, share their stadium. I mean, they just make some good, sound uh, decisions. Um, storefronts, they're full. There's no homelessness. Uh, there's a lot of police. I mean, and a lot of it just comes, again, from value. What do they value? Do they remember their history? Do they have a sense of place? And people take great pride. They're very hospitable here. Uh, everybody in New Mexico feels like uh, I think they, they deserve something. Absolutely. And uh, I want to get I want to get to this next story here because I don't know why Afghanis are coming to the place in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Why wouldn't they come to a place like El Paso, you know, where immigrants are actually wanted, but they're also very responsible. Yes, they're wanted in, in Albuquerque, but for a very different reason than they are. They're wanted here. The people who are the immigrants who come here to Albuquerque, I mean, to come to El Paso are very industrious. They're out selling things. They're out pushing themselves. They're out working. Uh, the, the immigrants who come to Albuquerque, New Mexico, they're looking to get away with stuff, seeing how they can feed off the government. They go to the Human Resources Department. They go to the uh, Homeland Security Department uh, over there, and they're looking for a handout. That is not what happens in the city of El Paso. People are expected to work here. Uh, the unemployment rate, you might want to look that up, not just in Texas, Dowd, but also in El Paso. Everybody works here in the city of El Paso. Yeah, and uh, I, I know we're running low, but uh, I will have it in the show notes tonight, ladies and gentlemen, a, a a, a, a sob sister piece by our good lefty uh, cuck snow, uh, soy boys and snowflakes at uh, Source, New Mexico. And he was referencing, I, I, I sent, sent it over to him. Um, this is about 200 Afghans who have settled uh, in, in and around Las Cruces. Uh, they have found it, quote unquote, quite unwelcoming. Uh, they're whining about all the subsidies they've been getting. Some of them are, are going out to Nebraska, Iowa, Maryland, and Texas, uh, other things. Uh, leaders of the agencies resettling the Afghans in Las Cruces say they are doing their best to furnish uh, education, transportation, medical care, benefits, and jobs. And Eddie, when I saw that list of five things they're trying to help the Afghans with, I, I went into my Karnak the Magnificent. I, I, I just it just channeled Karnak from beyond the grave, came into my mind and said, uh, education, uh, transportation, medical care, benefits and jobs. 
Name five things you don't get in Afghanistan. Uh, and so uh, they're not happy. They're not happy with the, the level uh, of subsidization and jobs. Uh, there are, uh, some of them are actually trying to send money home. They don't have enough money uh, here. Of course, the language barriers are, are an issue. One of them is whining that he had to live in a, uh, he was, they, oh, there's, uh, he wanted a three-bedroom apartment for the two people he's with. Uh, he had to live uh, potentially in a one-bedroom apartment. Um, <laughs> I, I suspect that one-bedroom apartment had electricity right. and air conditioning, mm-hmm. my friend. Uh, they were tired of packing themselves up into uh, the too small apartment. Uh, let's see, what else were they were whining about? The burden of navigating New Mexico uh, has fallen almost entirely on uh, a 14-year-old in terms of this uh, family. His uncle is severely disabled the 14 year old is saying why am i caseworker what does caseworker mean for us um, was whining that new mexico is not the their first choice uh one good i see it and that that's what i want to say Dowd. these people if they happen to instead of relocate to albuquerque and come instead to el paso they would be expected to work it's yes. part of the culture that afghan culture is basically signaling to us exactly what we expect from ourselves they see yep. it firsthand out and if they were here in el paso their asses would be out on the street working making sure that they can pay for themselves because nobody's expecting any handouts here in el paso but they are expecting it and they're going to complain about it in a place like albuquerque uh, no, another big complaint is the MVD in uh, Greater Las Cruces has no interpreter for Pashto or Dari, uh, the two common languages uh, spoken in Afghanistan. So one of these ingrates, uh, they, they end the article with, quote, how many people have lost their lives in 20 years in Afghanistan, he said. And one ha- and what happened at the end? Uh, well, my, well, fella, my uh, my refugee fella, I can tell you how many people lost their lives in 20 years of Afghanistan in terms of how many Americans died trying to make your country not the s-hole that it is just looked it up this morning 2401 americans died uh over 20 years trying to help your country and uh, your people did not want to help themselves and you'd rather live in the 11th century and uh uh, uh joe biden I, I know we don't have joe biden fans in our listenership and i'm certainly not a joe biden fan but i i think a little mini joe biden bust should be at mount rushmore for getting us the hell out of that hell hole so eddie i really think you're you're onto something with the culture uh a Texan culture versus a New Mexico culture. Right. Um, New Mexico almost kind of facilitates and further the enti- furthers the entitlement philosophy rather than says, get your ass to work. Yep. No, that's exactly it. It's just different. I mean, when you expect that and you expect uh, the red carpet to be rolled out for you and things be provided for you, that's what people expect when they come to a city like Albuquerque. All the notes and then some directly at rockoftalk.chat for the complete annotated notes for today. You can go ahead and become a subscriber for less than 20 cents a day. And Dowd, our top five, as uh, listed from our blast. Great show. Dowd's got one more show to put together, and then I'll be back in studio on Wednesday uh, for our our uh, broadcast and Dowd will be in the uh, nice, beautiful confines of his Northeast Heights studio. I don't know if it's yeah, Northeast Heights. Like, just... uh, coming back to the Kiva, though. I don't know. Oh, wow. You know, and now that it's cool, right? Now that it's nice and cool, it's right? very comfortable now. Even for me, I'm a cold-blooded lizard. That's why I came to the day. Yeah. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, your picks for the top five links of the day at uh, rockoftalk.chat. It's Daily Blast. Cost you less than 20 cents a day, so please subscribe so I can feed my dog and myself. Dogs first. Uh, number one was uh, more and more experts are saying, hey, uh, lockdowns didn't save lives and uh actually lockdowns were a monumental mistake uh our friends over in britain ran an interesting piece on the daily skeptic about that number two the new york post joe biden's approval rating tumbles to the lowest of his presidency 
I can't imagine why everything's going so wonderfully. Uh, number three, interesting piece from a, a climate change blogger, Save the Children. You think about that wonderful international organization. Uh, they're more interested in fighting uh, the climate emergency than actually feeding hungry children. Should come as no surprise. Uh, number four, Breitbart, uh, interesting site. We uh, got we talked about that earlier in the show. The attack by the L.A. Times on the L.A. County Sheriff, not woke enough for them. And I guess he's a he's a bad Hispanic displaying bad traits. Uh, and number five, uh, an, another interesting blogger over in the U.K. Why we don't care about the Oscars. I think you'd agree with me, ladies and gentlemen. We shouldn't care anymore. Well, it's been a great show, Dowd. Thanks again for putting everything together, as always. And we appreciate you out there listening in the ABQ. Back tomorrow, 4 p.m., live edition. One more time here from the Paso del Norte Hotel. Dowd, we'll see you tomorrow, bright and early, 4 p.m. Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned. Ben Shapiro and Bill O'Reilly are next.
of emotion and like the wind their eyes fall home this is the wonder of emotion I see the torch we all must go home this is the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque.